Sawyer also like eventually shows up and is like somebody who you might actually expect to know things about cars. <laughs> he just sits there and drinks beer the whole time. He's like, I'm not helping. He's like, he says he can't fix it. Give up. <laughs> Honestly, I get it. Yeah, Hurley's like, I'm looking for something really important from this. And Sawyer's like, so am I. And I found it. It's, it's this beer. It's beer. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is what's your favorite fast food restaurant? Uh, due to Mr. or uh, yeah, Mr. Clucks, Mr. obviously. Clucks. I mean, I'm gonna go real simple and just say McDonald's. Like it's mm. it's a classic. It's so it's such a classic. I like. There's nothing that really beats that. Mm-hmm. What are you? What's your combo item and your single item in addition when you go to McDonald's? Absolutely incredible question. I get I get two cheeseburgers and then a medium fries and then I eat them at the same time. So I don't eat like the cheeseburgers and then the fries. They have to like I want both of the um, All of flavors it in your mouth. exactly yeah. like both of the flavors have to happen at the same time oh. because there's so much sauce on the cheeseburger that you like have the fries to combat the sauce and then it's like perfect. If y'all ever come to LA, I'm going to have to take you to a place called Fat Sal's, which is a I would like ooh, to. A small local chain. So many of the sandwiches, they put the fries in the sandwich. I'm on board. See, I used to do that when I would when I was in college. We did this thing called Burger Wednesdays and every Wednesday, me and my friends, all of us would go and buy a burger from like the place on campus. Um and I always put my french fries inside the burger. Good. That's that's because you're a woman of taste. Also, like, I'm like, mm, I was going to choose McDonald's, but now I'm not. Go- oh, follow up question. Have you ever been to a McDonald's that was hit by a meteor? No. Oh. Not that I know of. <laughs> All right. Well, Google it. Have I ever been to a McDonald's? <laughs> no, you Google McDonald's and have been hit by meteor. Has Robin ever been to... <laughs> yeah. Google's like, who? Who's this bitch? (laughs) My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old writer and artist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. Mine? Okay, so I was going to say, like, I have been, we have been to a McDonald's that has had a murder in it, and we call it McMurder. What? Um, We were there today. We were there today. (laughs) Why would you go back? Because it's a really good McDonald's. Well, you do have to hold on to the nice ones. Yeah, like yeah. the one downstairs from us, because we also live above a McDonald's, <laughs> which is why we eat so much McDonald's. But, um. I live in an apartment below one McDonald's and above a different McDonald's. Exactly. Yeah. But we, um, it's only an okay McDonald's. They don't always get your order right, and they don't have, like, the full menu, because it's kind of small. Brittany, our, the McMurder didn't get our order right today. That's true, but usually they do, yeah. and they were the only ones with plastic straws. But and now they've got paper Listen, straws. I understand oh, not no. liking plastic straws, but also it's, like, you know, a covert operation to make people feel responsible for corporations, like pollution but also plastic straws just hit different when they come from mcdonald's that's true they i mean you know that mcdonald's has like a whole chemistry thing like where they have an agreement with coca-cola where like they calibrate the flavor in the beverage differently so that when it comes out of a mcdonald's machine it's actually like literally scientifically better tasting coke and they transport them in steel barrels so that it like maintains all of the freshness 
Mm-hmm. Not that I know these things, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I was going to say McDonald's, but I'm also going to do wild card Wendy's because Wendy's burgers are very good. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's, I've never been to a Wendy's that got hit by a meteor. As far as you know, Google has Brittany, or have I ever been to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is your combo item and additional item from Wendy's? Excellent. Love this question. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I get the son of a Baconator, because the regular Baconator is just too big. Mm-hmm. And then I get a fry. And then on the side, I get three chicken strips. Nice. Nice, nice. Because their chicken strips are very good. Sam, like, like my wife likes the nuggets, but... I'm not that bitch. (laughs) And you guys have heard from him already. This episode of (laughs) this episode, our guest is John. Hello, everybody. I am John Delaporta, 37, actor, Los Angeles, California. And I I just want to quickly make an aside that I am deeply, deeply honored to be the token (laughs) straight cis dude for the most wholesome bro episode of Lost. You called this episode years ago. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's true. Because I'm like, wait, has someone taken Trisha Tanaka as dead? And you're like, no. I'm like, why? I mean, shut up. I'll take it. <laughs> it's Why? You're like, if I start talking to you about why someone hasn't taken it, someone will take it in those seconds. Yeah. Someone will take it. Yeah. But anyway, um, answering the, the prompt question, oh, Jesus, um, McDonald's and Wendy's are kind of my go-to. So I'm going to go wild card here and I'm going to choose fast food pizza as okay. my fast food choice Whoa. and say that my favorite fast food pizza. Oh, shit, what am I talking about? Favorite fast food pizza is Domino's, but I can totally fulfill the prompt as intended by saying my favorite fast food is In-N-Out because mm-hmm. I live in L.A. Because right. you're from L.A. Yep. And what That's do you right. get there? I get the double-double uh, with spread and chilies only, uh, and I get it with uh, the fries. Um, if I'm with company, I get the fries animal style because I'm wild like that. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and because I'm from L.A., I ha- I'm, like, contractually obligated to talk about, like, animal style and secret sure. menu and yeah. wink. Can you explain for those of us who aren't from L.A. what animal style means? Okay, so In-N-Out sort of prides itself on having, like, this totally simple utilitarian menu. Like, where that you can get a one, a two, or a three. Okay. And, like, a one is a single burger with a combo. A two is a double-double with a combo. And a three, I, I don't even remember what a three is. I think it's a hot dog combo. Oh. But um, any modifications to the burger are on a secret menu. And the secret menu basically allows you to order the burger or the fries, what they call animal style, Mm -hmm. which is a uh, mix of the secret sauce that they use at In-N-Out, plus uh, the kind of chopped... uh, the chopped onion concoction that makes a lot of their stuff taste so good. And like chili peppers that are cut up in there too. I've heard that it's similar to Big Mac sauce. I mean, burger joint secret sauce is pretty much universally Thousand Island dressing right. with a few tweaks. Oh my God, so, it is. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh no, did a I? Double double means something different to yeah. in Canada though. <laughs> you said double double and I was like, coffee? <laughs> no, our double, uh, that's what they call a double cheeseburger with du- uh, like double patties and double cheese. Gotcha. Oh, God. oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who are your favorite characters on Lost? Well, I believe in the past I've just stand uh, Juliet straight up. Mm-hmm. Like my my uh, taste remains the same. Juliet, who your listeners now know. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, this three years later on in Aficionado's time, one year later in Showtime. Uh, Sawyer is another person I am now including on favorite characters just because I love his, like this episode reminded me that I love his arc. Mm-hmm. 
And we'll, I'll put in a quick mention of Dan Faraday, who we haven't met yet. Dan Faraday's in my top five as well. Probably like top three. I He's really awesome. love him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. This episode is episode 310. Last time we had you on was 209. So it's been Jeez. like a full wow. a full season. I got to be privy to your, uh, to the, like a long uh, tangent uh, where we talked about Claire talking about Bible verses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. And then like, what does loss mean to you? Or like, how did you get into it? Or you know, uh, that question. <laughs> the, those are both very fun questions. So I'll answer them in reverse. Uh, I got into Lost because in the middle of the run, like it, I had just graduated from college and it was right in that era where like people were just discovering that you could go back and watch a show from the beginning mm-hmm. if you get the DVDs. Right. So Lost was one of those shows that was super zeitgeisty. And a friend of mine lent me the first three seasons on... D- Actually, uh, they lent me the first season on DVD. So I watched that in a weekend. Oh my God. Because, like you do. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Mainlined it, absolutely loved it. And then... I proceeded to like indiv- go to like the Hollywood video around the corner from my apartment in Maryland and just rent the entirety of seasons two and three, just plow through them five episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started watching concurrent with the airing uh, by season four, and I was hooked all the way to the end. Lost is a show that I would call my favorite show. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I'm doing like a list of like the greatest shows of all time, I'll put it on there, but I'll probably say something else is like the best show ever. Sure. But oh yeah, Lost is definitely my favorite. I I think because it's like thematically so close to my just worldview on people and storytelling and stuff like that. And then in turn, and then like the craft of the show, which I think is just such a good combination of like having great ideas and working towards them and then just sort of improvising when things are working creatively and that the show itself, like we'll talk about this in the spoiler section, but I think like, especially season five and the ending are both like great sort of meta Mm -hmm. meta text. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a great show about not just its characters, but about characters themselves, like about character arcs and the immutability of character. And it may, it basically, it makes my heart and my brain uh, excited and fills me with dopamine. You get Respect. the serotonin. Yeah, I get. I literally, it's, the the TV show gives me a hug whenever I watch it. Yeah, oh, especially this episode. This episode is the most this especially joyful episode of the whole show, in my opinion. I think you would be mm-hmm. correct. It has it. a shaky cam close up of a dog in it. Yeah, exactly. You can't Hello? beat that. <laughs> And then, so if anyone wants to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, you can hop on to Twitter or Instagram and just at John Delaporta. There you go. That's what you get when you're an actor. Yep. You That's get your full I name. Thought. You get your full name. That's right. This is the O'Fish. <laughs> Brittany's watch just started talking. Wait, did she? <laughs> oh my God. I said yes. And she said, that's what I thought. <laughs> I'm being threatened. <laughs> really quickly, um, before we get into the episode... Uh, we did have a couple thoughts from listeners. So last episode, Tom Friendly was like, Jack, let me find you some stones so you can get out of this glass place. And we were like, what does that mean? And we had two people uh, write into us to tell us that we are dumb. I just um, want to say I knew, but I could not. Oh, let he who lives in a, gla- who glass lives in a glass house to cast the first stone. I don't exactly. have sworn I said something like that because I knew it, but I can't prove it. Yeah, I don't, I, not, none of us did. So our friend Kim, who is at K-Throw, um, said, Friendly's line was a reference to people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Like, watch who you criticize and point fingers at when your own dirty laundry isn't exactly well hidden. Basically, don't run your mouth and look like a hypocrite. And then our friend Isra, who is at Isra Glass, also. 
So our clown shoes, they were squeaking. Where? Oh, here it is. Um, <laughs> when Friendly says, how would I eat some stones? He's calling Jack a hypocrite. He rephrased the idiom, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house, which makes me really mad. Ben started this with the kidnapping. So I think basically he's saying, you live in this glass house. I'm going to get you some stones so that you can throw them and get out of this glass house. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Sorry, we're dumb. It really felt like something that should have been on Lostpedia, and I feel a little betrayed that it wasn't. I feel like because it's such a common phrase. Uh. Oops. Yeah. Thanks. It's common. We're just simple. It, it is, but it's a it's a it's a biblical thing, right? They should put biblical allusions on Lostpedia. Usually, what the heck? Yeah. It's strange in a strange land, so I don't really care that much about what happens in it. But that's uh, fair. Whatever. Today we have word to say about episode three ten of Lost. Trisha Tanaka is dead. Oh, so excited to be here. So Trisha Tanaka is dead is named because Trisha Tanaka's in it. Um, and she died. I would say she dies. Yes. She died. Oh, boy, does she. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I know that we don't have that much time in this episode because there's just so many more important things to get to. But God, what I would have wanted to see more about Trisha Tanaka. Like, uh, is there like a funeral? Is there- Oh yeah, like you know, what happens? Any sort of like memorial? What was the name of her camera <laughs> guy? I don't know. I'm just interested in Trisha Tanaka. That's because you love tiny characters. It's true. So the broadcast date was February 28th, 2007. It was written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, and it was directed by Eric Lenouville. I think that's how you pronounce his name. This is cool because I remembered that Eric was the one who wrote the, or who uh, directed this episode. And we've been rewatching, well, I've been rewatching Gilmore Girls and then Sam and Emily have been watching along with us. Um, and last night we were watching an episode in season five and it said directed by Eric Lenouville. And I was like, excuse me. Oh, hey. hello, sir. Well, that's intriguing. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's especially intriguing because I don't, he doesn't have a ton of directing credits on the show, does he? Like, I'm he's not certain, sure. like, Stephen Williams and Jack Bender carry most of the load. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. It's mostly them. So he does the other 48 days, banger. Another banger. SOS, absolute banger. Trisha Tanaka is dead, fantastic. The Brig, which happens later this, uh, this season, and then the other, yeah, and then the other woman, which I think happens in season, I want to say season four. So he directs four of, four of, like, our consensus picks for, like, at least the top 20 episodes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then another episode. Honestly, respect. <laughs> Eric, good work. He's like, I got all the good ones. That is a high batting, that's probably a higher percentage batting average than Williams or Bender does. Right, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, just because Jack Bender does so many of the season finales, so I'm Ooh. like, okay, you can- Oh, right. No, I, just, uh, I know. Stay. But those are, those are like the, like, all capitals, very special episodes. That's true, that's true. <laughs> he has more opportunity. Exactly. I'm sure that the Eric would uh, knock it out of the park, given whatever. Yeah, yeah let's give him the credit. Yeah, yeah. well, good. congratulations, Eric. These are, you, your, your resume of Lost episodes is- Bunch of absolute bangers. Yep. It impressed a bunch of nerds. <laughs> I grabbed a couple of fun facts about this episode that I got from Lostpedia. Daniel Day Kim, who plays Jin, which you should know what? if you're here listening to this podcast, appears again for the first time since Further Instructions, which was 303, um, ending a six-episode absence. No reason is given from, for his absence, unlike other like long runs of non-appearance. So sometimes if people aren't shown for a long time, they explain why. Mm. But he's just been around, I guess, you know? He was he was vibing. Yeah. yeah he's just hanging out. Yeah. It also says, further instructions aired on October 18th of the previous year, meaning that Daniel Day Kim has been absent from the show for more than four months prior to this episode, like if you're watching along. That's kind of a nice break because you just hang out in Hawaii and just do nothing. Yeah. yeah. He's like, this is fine. Honestly, if he's, if, yeah, like, and if you're a serious regular, you're getting paid. <laughs> exactly exactly and like um you know as somebody who also binged i binged the whole show 
Um, I didn't even really notice, but I understand that if Jin was your favorite character and you were watching live, you'd be like, excuse me. Actually, that length of time makes me wonder if with TV shows and long, long regular absences, I always wonder, I wonder if Daniel Dick Kim may have been shooting something else on the mainland. Sure. Yeah, it could have been. Like, cause a lot of time, I mean, I'm not saying that this is the reason I'm just wondering if it could be the reason, because, but also Lost has a cast of a thousand main characters, so. Exactly. Sometimes I think both things could be true. Such a good ensemble. It's true. It's true. So we are going to go into the storylines here, but first Brittany's going to recap the episodes for any of our friends who haven't rewatched the episode recently. Okay. I tried to not swear at Hurley's dad too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I definitely did. It hits it hits hits close to home for you. It does. Except your dad never. He just never back. shut back up. Oh no. <laughs> no, it's funny, it's fine. I don't like him. He's a uh, terrible man. He's, he's truly he's truly just absolute garbage. Yeah. Wait, are we talking about David Reyes or the actual dad? No, we're talking about Doug. my actual dad. Okay. <laughs> it sounds Because I I, I I wrote notes about I, I'm a bit of a David Reyes apologist, so I didn't mm-hmm. want to like risk courting controversy. No, no I definitely want to hear what you have to say. This is so. gonna be perfect that we're gonna have the like yeah. both both sides. Well, not necessarily both sides here. We'll save some of it for the spoiler section. Sure, sure. Oh, sure. oh that's fair, totally. Fair enough. Okay. All right. In the past, Hurley's crappy dad ditches him to do work in Vegas. Abruptly, later in his life, <laughs> Hurley is just, it's just like a massive 17-year time jump. Hurley is interviewed by Trisha Tanaka about winning the lottery and buying a chicken shack, which is deeply relatable because I too enjoy chicken. Trisha and the chicken shack are promptly obliterated by a meteor, which is less relatable. He tells his mom the winning lottery numbers he got from Lenny are curse AF. Also, his crappy dad is back and he immediately fat shames Hurley, so I'm thinking it could be cool if he also got hit by a meteor. <laughs> Hurley calls him up for coming back for the money and his mom overshares about her sex life and I'm just really uncomfortable. <laughs> Hurley reluctantly shows his dad the car they were rebuilding before his dad dipped. He takes Hurley to a psychic to break the curse, but the psychic is actually a fraud that his dad hired. His dad tells him that actually he should go to Australia and give away all the money, which is annoyingly good advice. On the island, Hurley breaks everyone's hearts by talking to Libby's grave. Charlie fills Hurley in on Desmond's whole you're gonna die thing, and Hurley's like, hold on, let me make this about me and my curse. <laughs> Vincent and his mummified arm toy lead Hurley towards a flipped over van. No one wants to help Hurley fix it up, except, except for Jin, who did not know what he was signing up for. Kate and Sawyer trudge their way through the jungle and stop for some flirting over Sawyer's foot injury. Romantic! Anyway, they have a big reunion with everyone, and it's pretty wholesome. Hurley and Jin remove and break Roger the skeleton from the van. Charlie asks Des why he thinks he's gonna die. Des is like, you know what? I was just super, like, effed up that day. (laughs) (laughs) Sawyer's gonna help fix the car because Sawyer is motivated by stuff, which I am also motivated by. (laughs) Relatable. Kate is gonna go rescue Jack somehow, but her plan is garbage. At the time, later, it actually turns out to be brilliant, which I have to reluctantly admit. Hurley is super determined to get the car fixed so that it can all have some hope because these writers understood the assignment. (laughs) Hurley gets a crazy idea and and slaps Charlie to snap him out of his you're gonna die funk. They pile into the van to promptly go die, and Sawyer and Jin push them down a hill, but it magically works, fueled by Hurley's pure belief alone. Locke and Saeed join Kate on her one-woman trek for Jack, where they meet up with Rousseau, and Kate reveals that Alex is probably her daughter. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. Oh, great episode. Ooh, yes. So I split this up into the flashbacks, obviously, and then there wasn't really much of an A storyline, B storyline. The B storyline was so small that I just decided, let's just go through everything that happens on the island at the same time. There were just um, many little stories. Yeah, I would say that, like, the B storyline is, like, Kate and Sawyer come back, and then Kate talks to Locke and Saeed, and then Kate 
goes and hangs out with Rousseau. It's one of and that's, basically that's yeah. kind of it. Yeah, it's one of the uh, the lightest. It's funny because in a, it, it's rare for Lost where the B story is sort of like the serialized mythos story, and also it's relegated to like two scenes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. That's actually it's actually totally possible for us to just like talk about that first. Let's do that. Yeah, just talk about like the mythology. Sure. So I mean that because that's like the season a story is like it's like this week on right. lost kate resolves to go back and rescue jack also this stuff with a van happens it's like okay this is way more important yeah <laughs> because the writers understood that sometimes you focus on the characters and not the plot See, yeah i i'm constantly complaining in some of our other podcasts about how there's too much drama and not enough like lightness and joy and every time i talk about that i I basically just want to like cite this episode specifically. Whereas like, you know, the writers were like, this episode is just for funsies. Yeah. Well, this episode is an excellent. Uh, okay. So y- l- your last episode was about, uh, whatchamacallit? The, what do you what, like? Stranger in a strange land. <laughs> your, your previous, your, your most recent episode was Stranger in a Strange Land. Your current episode is Trisha Tanaka is dead. One of which is an argument against a 22-episode network season. And another yeah. is an argument for a 22-episode network season. That's such a good Damn point. Damn it, that's so true. Like, more of this. So, previously on Lost, we need less episodes so we can focus on the story. This week on Lost, fit the plot. <laughs> this yeah. week on Lost, they're like, we had better writers for this. <laughs> this week on Lost, let's let Eddie and Adam. This is Adam and Eddie. Which is. <laughs> let's let Eddie and Adam have some Hurley fun. Which is like confusing because later they kind of misunderstood the assignment when it came to like all of Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. F- I really liked the, the first, first like two or three seasons. The first two or three seasons were great. And yeah. then the Rembell stuff started, and I was like, there's some consent issues here that should be addressed <laughs> that were never addressed. Yeah. <laughs> So Sawyer and Kate are almost back to the beach. Sawyer steps on a dart and Kate gets it out. They start up their sweet banter again, but it abruptly stops when they walk into camp. And they walk into camp on bad terms. Sweet bits. Mm. So they're almost home. She's not excited to explain why there's only two of them. And I'm like, it's not your fault that there's only two of you. Like, I don't know. were kidnapped. Yeah. Like, it's easy to explain. You just come out and you say, Jack saved us. What a nice guy. If you want to go back and save him, go ahead. But yeah. I just like. I mean, she she's feeling weird about Damn It, Kate, Run. Yeah. Also yeah. an all-time great Lost Line reading. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that, like, it's, like, hard for me, especially in this kind of, like, piece of Kate's story. Um, I think that her going to Rousseau, Rousseau is a really good idea. I, however, I am still not sure I agree that Sawyer owes her an apology for the way that he treated her last episode. I also don't agree. Uh, mm. I just, I think that he was making, like, good survivor's moves. And, like, maybe he could have been more kind mm-hmm. i guess but i still don't think she's like i'm gonna like i'll just immediately what does she say she says like all you have to do is apologize and he's like i don't have anything to apologize for and i'm like i'm sorry i'm a little on sawyer's side on this one well, being a little more kind is sort of an evergreen note for sawyer exactly mm-hmm. right <laughs> she also said something completely devastating to him right like when she says i don't love you and i was just doing it for a show Ugh. after that, that i was like oof. sawyer you're kind of within your rights to be a dick about this yeah i mean she definitely did not say that but it's basically what she was saying I mean, like, you know? yeah, that, yeah i mean yeah yeah so i mean sawyer can read between the lines exactly right it's just a lot of defensive behavior and a lot of hurting each other because of other things 
Yeah. Exactly. Um, so Sawyer steps on a dart from the hatch. Um, they don't say that it's from the hatch, but you can put those pieces together. Oh. She pulls it out on one instead of three, which is a pretty good move, I think. Classic. Um, she goes, listen, Sawyer, all you have to do is say sorry. I would find this patronizing. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, I'd be like, oh, that's it? Well, damn. Great. <laughs> like, Sounds great. Then, it reminds freckles. me of later in the episode when Hurley's like, oh, okay, well, it's fine that Jack isn't here. It's okay. And Sawyer just goes, well, what a relief. <laughs> I just realized that Sawyer's, uh, like, his goofy little lesson to Jin later in the episode actually ties back to that moment. I Yeah. <gasps> I never made that connection. I didn't me. realize that. Oh, you're a genius. Right. I'm sorry is one of the things that women need to hear. And he doesn't do it. Oh, no. That makes the ending sadder. Yeah. Yeah. No, because that, he realizes all he, it doesn't, like... She just needed to hear he was sorry. Oh, no. Yeah. But I totally understand yes. <laughs> Sawyer being like, I'm not going to apologize when I'm not sorry. And he also because- might have just not been ready. Right, and but I was totally that mm. kid as a I like like when I was like mean to my sister, my parents would be like, "Say sorry," and I'd be like, "I'm not sorry." <laughs> so why would I say it? You mean you weren't a like put your hands in your pockets and huffle and go sorry. sorry? Sorry. I mean, I was, and then they'd be like, "You don't mean it," and I'm like, "Well, of course I don't." No, no, you're right. I don't. <laughs> no, you made me say that before I was ready. I I was quite yeah. clear that I wasn't going to mean it. So like, I totally, I think it's so realistic for Sawyer to be like, I'm not going to say sorry just for the sake of saying sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you're not going to like it either way. Then, I, cause then, then I'm lying to you. Mm-hmm. So she says, then we can just have a clean slate. And that is what Tabula Rasa means, which is the um, name of episode 103. Oh, damn. It's a Kate mm-hmm. episode. Our first Kate episode. So there you go. Um, and he talks about Little House on the Prairie, but he calls it Little House. Little House. As anyone who watches Little House does. Right, of course. He's a fan. He's a I've Little House fan. I've never stand. seen it. I mean, my, like, no, my, I, I've seen a few episodes of Little House because I too have been sick home from school on weekdays. Right. But my mother, uh, like, for my entire life has referred to Little House as Little House. Like, right. That's adorable. That's, you know, that's a good, really good, like- good, uh, nice touch from Eddie and Adam. Yeah. Clearly they were uh, pulling from experience there. <laughs> well, you know. I uh what? I had mono when I was a kid. You know the <laughs> disease you get from kissing too many girls? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I love this moment where she's like, "Oh my god, you call it little house." And you could just like see there's just like this moment of silence where you can see him start to panic and go, "Oh my god, what did I just do? Right. I my cool persona has completely broken. I need to explain myself immediately." Whatever. Sawyer's a nerd. He he's read he's exactly. read more works of great literature than I have. For sure. Oh, me too. And he's, Sawyer's a huge nerd. And he's nimble enough with references to them that it's clear that he was reading the books before he got to the island too. Right. Exactly. So he said he missed two months of school and it was the only thing on. Mm. Bro, two months is a very long time. That is mono. That's mono. That that yeah. mono though. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what are we even talking about? And I'm like, you're having a nice time. Give yourself a second. Like Kate is the just epitome. Fun. Kate is literally the epitome of Stranger in a Strange Land right now. And Sawyer's just trying to have a Trisha Tanaka is dead. You know it's what so I mean? So true, bestie. So true, bestie. Ah. <laughs> like Sawyer's just trying to have a good time, and Kate's like, no, no, no. Kate's like, okay. It's like everybody's like, we're on a pause from the main action of the series. So some of us want to get very introspective right now, and some of us just want to have a caper. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I love Kate. Sometimes, yeah. But sometimes, huge buzzkill. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling with her right now for sure. Well, this is a tough. This is a tough time in uh, the, uh, in our main characters' arcs. 
Yeah. So he's like, okay, well, I don't have anything to be sorry for. So I guess we're at a standstill. And then they walk out and they're home. And I was like, what exactly is he apologizing for? Is he just apologizing for like making decisions for her last episode? I think that's what's happening. Also for like, I think maybe arguing with her. Right. Oh, and letting uh, Carl go. And letting Carl go. Which like, okay, that's fair. Mm. Yeah. And so they call each other Sawyer and Kate instead of Freckles and James. Oh. Mm. Um, wow, telling. We have a small montage of Kate and Sawyer reuniting with the other survivors. So um, there's just this like weird bro hug between Sawyer and Locke, well, which I really love. Oh uh, well, but 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 hold on. That's a that's a, a beloved. By this point, it's a beloved lost tradition. Now the beach reunion is. Mm-hmm. Like the Michael Giacchino infused slow-mo beach yep. hugs where you exactly. see unlikely characters like giving hugs, you know, like Locke and Sawyer and like Kate and that random extra. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I no, I agree because uh, and I like the juxtaposition between this one because they're usually like so happy. Yeah. And Sawyer really injects like but like sadness into it. Would you even say angst? Sure. There's like two different, there's like two pods of uh, hugging happening. Mm-hmm. Do, do you ladies remember before the pandemic when people used to be, hang out in like little clusters? Can't, I don't know if I, I remember anything before the pandemic. I feel like we've been living this hell for so long now. <laughs> oh no. But also, um, yeah, when people used to hug out and be able to like hug each other. Oh my God. Speaking of serotonin. Yeah, my birthday... My yeah, birthday exactly. was like right before the pandemic happened. Not this past year, of course, but last year. And I was so excited because I invited some of my friends from theater school who were living in Vancouver. I hadn't seen them since I moved and since they moved. And so I invited them to come to my birthday party and I had the best time. And I was like, I am so happy that I'm finally going to like, it's just like so nice to like Have kind of be a previous version of yourself with these people. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm really excited to like spend more time with them as time goes on. I have not seen them since. Yes. Oh. What the heck, world? Pre-apocalypse times. Different times. So Kate hugs Nikki, and then Sawyer hugs Nikki pretty much immediately after. So that kind of, like, I don't know. I didn't think that she could get over there that quickly, personally. So I thought thought it was maybe a continuity error, just like a little bit there, but. But The editors are doing their best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I didn't notice, which means that whatever the emotional arc they were cutting together made sense. Right, exactly. Like, whenever I find, like, these bloopers on Lostpedia and stuff or whatever, like, I found that one myself, but mm-hmm. whenever I find bloopers on Lostpedia, I'm like, well, I didn't notice, so... Like, there's this one that I was looking for that apparently, like, a white car drives by in one of the wide shots on the on the van um, when it's driving around at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I swear, I watched that montage, like, four times, and I could not find that white car, so... Yeah, also, like- um, uh, may I share a story from the uh, the uh, trenches of Hollywood? Please um, do, should. please do. Uh, well, I'm, I've been doing a lot of background work uh, in the last uh, couple of years, including in mm-hmm. the last year, you know, so sets are up and rolling and uh, safety protocols in place. But the thing is, it's especially when you're doing scenes with a lot of background and a lot of cars and stuff a lot like a lot of time when you're doing multiple takes in a row specifically for performance resetting everything is really hard especially if you're trying to get it to time out exactly the same every time and if it's an emotional beat like there's gonna be little continuity errors so there's kind of this like philosophy i've seen adopted industry-wide and i think uh I think Steven Spielberg talks about this when he's talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, When he says, like, if you're noticing the, if you're notice, like, like Michael Kahn, his editor will point out, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, the the door in the background isn't lining up. And Spielberg will go, if they notice that, we've got bigger problems. Right. They shouldn't be paying attention to that. They should be paying attention to what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. 
And it's also yeah. like if you're noticing that, that also means you're like a diehard as well. Yeah. Yeah. So either way, you're you're watching it, you're enjoying it. Yeah, look, they already got you. It's like, oh no. Exactly. Robin's fandom is in jeopardy because she yeah. noticed the white car. <laughs> I'll never look at this show the uh, same. The these, illusion has been broken. These hacks. I changed my mind. This is actually the worst episode of the show. I oh my god. I, I can't even joke about that. Like yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. Not even as a joke, Robin. I wouldn't besmirch this episode even as a joke. Um, Is there anything else you guys want to mention about the montage, or can I move on? Love a a beach hug montage. Uh, No, that's about all. Okay, cool. So Kate tells Saeed and Locke what happened while they were gone. Um, She's going to save Jack no matter what he told her to do, but she needs help. So Kate has already gathered Locke and Saeed to get Jack to come back, because obviously Sawyer wasn't into it. So She's like, (laughs) I need somebody else. And Locke and Saeed seem like... The best choices, to be honest. Um, In any situation, Saeed is at least the best choice. Right. She didn't want his sacrifice to be for nothing. And I'm like, so why are you going back? <laughs> he asked you not to. Like, I, I understand. But, like, take um, take a day. Take a pause. Yeah, take a day and, like, take figure out. Take a shower. And figure out what you want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, come up with a plan. Well, she does change her outfit. She does. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's crucial. Yeah. I just like, if you're going to go back on what Jack told you to do, which I understand because she like loves him or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it was under duress. He didn't like, I can't be sure that he wasn't saying it just to get me out of there kind of thing. Right. But they need him. They're not going to torture him. They're not going to kill him. They need him. So you, you have a moment to just like take a second and I know that she does clearly, like, have a plan, which is awesome. Um, but, like, you know, think about it. Formulate your plan. Mm-hmm. Just, like, take a second. It's we a don't... long con for this one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Love a long con. Oh, is that... The, that's where where she's informing uh, Saeed and Locke about the situation. And that's when Locke is like, they can, like, they can leave the island? Right? Yeah. But that's... I'm sure we'll come back to that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I want to put a pin in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, they're like... Oh, Hurley told us about Michael and Walt, and Kate's like, yes, that's true, because mm-hmm. we don't trust Hurley for some reason. <laughs> or they're just checking. Um, she said they didn't see any other boats, um, like the one that Michael went off on, mm-hmm. but they definitely have to have more than one. Oh my god, I forgot about Michael. Right. Which they do because they stole the Elizabeth um, right. in 302. Um, so Locke asks if they can leave the island. Kate doesn't know. Um, and then Saeed starts asking the same questions that Kate had last episode. She said that they lived on this island because Carl told us and he could have taken us to their compound, but Sawyer let him go. Mm. And they're like, well, why did Sawyer do that? And she's like, I don't know, ask Sawyer. And I'm like, bro, he gave you a reason last episode. Last episode, he said, I let him go because he's a target and I don't want to get killed because everyone wants to kill him. Mm. Which is not the worst logic. I mean, he's a he's a survivor. I know that like Kate and Sawyer aren't getting along right now. Right. But, like, don't throw him under the bus like this. Like, Mm -hmm. she's like, I don't know, Sawyer's an idiot? When he, like, did give you a reason. Like, she's like, I don't know, making Sawyer look like a dumbass to Saeed and Locke. I think it's also a not my monkey, not my problem situation. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of my favorite expressions. Really? (laughs) Not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah, oh, that, that one, yeah. So Kate's going back for Jack and she's going to ask Russo, um, which we don't technically know yet, but that's what she's doing. On Lostpedia, it said that a deleted scene from this episode involves Charlie and Kate prior to Kate's departure to find Jack. The scene depicts Charlie's acknowledgement that he will continue building Echo's church Mm. despite his recent death. Oh. So, I don't know. I I guess, let's say that he did that. I guess, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, 
cool to know. Didn't I guess it doesn't play really into the plot, uh, into the story of the episode. Makes sense why it was deleted. Yeah, because I don't think we ever really see it. Yeah, again, I so. was gonna ask, like, do they follow through with that? Or? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't think that they don't ever check back in on that. Yeah. Alrighty. Okay, so moving down to the final scene in the entire episode. Mm. (laughs) That night, Kate is searching in the jungle. She finds a net and learns that Locke and Saeed are following her. They ask why she didn't ask them for help. She was looking for the perfect person to call upon, which is Rousseau. So Sawyer is thinking of Kate in the other storyline, and so they transition to Kate because Sawyer is thinking about her. It's night now, so she has the torch, and she finds the net that she and Jack were stuck in. Is this the exact same net or just a similar net? Who's to say? I'm going to call it the exact same net. Okay. Right. She's just reminded of Jack. She's like, oh, yes, this is what I'm on my mission for. Exactly. Caught in a net. Um, so Saeed and Locke follow her because <laughs> Locke is a tracker. And they're like, why didn't you ask us? <laughs> they're like, excuse me. We're both very capable. Uh, we're smart. Mm. Um, and <laughs> Kate's like, girl power, guys. <laughs> it's like, excuse me, men. We have to pass the Bechtel test very quickly. I was exactly. A, exactly. I literally was like, because one of our segments is, did this episode pass the Bechtel test? And I was like, yeah, but count? like, <laughs> I think it does. In by a nose. <laughs> like, I, I think that it does. It's just ridiculous that they're like, like, Sun hardly has any lines. Nikki hardly has any lines. Claire hardly has any lines. The only other woman who has multiple lines is Carmen. And then like the psychic. And Trisha. <laughs> and Trisha Tanaka. Oh, yeah. Trisha Tanaka herself, but they don't hang out. The titular character. Well, yeah, but um, it's funny. It passes the Bechtel test, but if Alex were a boy, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's a shame. Um, yeah, I know. yeah, it's ridiculous to say that, like, of all the episodes of this show, that this episode passes the Bechtel test when, like, the entire rest of the episode is not even close. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> like the the rest of the episode is like this is about dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And like Rousseau hardly has any lines. She just shows up and she's like, hey, well, why? She, Mira Furlan shows up and does that face that she does super well, which is where yeah. she's like angry, confused, and also heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, she's such a genius. I, I do have to say that this is the first episode that we are recording and putting out since. with Rousseau since Mira passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. so like, thank you to Mira because she did such a good job in every single scene she mm-hmm. was in. Absolutely. She like, I, I would, I wonder, I've never actually done the math on what her total screen time is over the course of the series, but her impact mm-hmm. on the show is insane. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I found, I find that that is so true with like so many of the small side characters. Not that Rousseau is a small side character, right, but I'm right. talking like uh, Liam, Charlie's brother and like Helen What's and everything. T- They're only in like two or three episodes each. Uh, and it's crazy. I defer to the, uh, the, the big stands here. Uh, who's the casting director for Lost? Ooh. Um, good question. As soon as I look it up, I'm going to be embarrassed that I didn't know because I'm definitely going to recognize Yeah, it's going to be like Sarah Halle Finn or something. <laughs> like, yeah. and we're going to be like... You're like, I already know. <laughs> Sarah Halle Finn, by the way, is the casting director for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is why I knew that off the top of my head. Ooh, she's got a... She is very good at her job. Oh, she's she's so good. Like, Sarah, yeah. Sarah Finn, uh, Nina Gold is up there in the Alzheimer's Club. Well, the ladies are looking that up. This is my petition for the Emmy Awards and the Oscars to create categories for outstanding casting directors because their work is thankless and incredibly important. And you can see their art ac- reflected across TV shows. I will back that up. I think it is April Webster. 
Okie dokie. Name doesn't ring a bell offhand, but that doesn't mean that we're not. I'm not going to IMDb her and find her. She does a lot of J.J. Abrams stuff. It looks ah, like. well. Did she do POI? She did Fringe, oh. uh, Altered Carbon, Alias, Star <gasps> Trek, huh? uh, Stargate, um, Tomorrowland, Star Wars: The Fourth Force Awakens. Oh, oh wow, she is very Mission good. Impossible Three. Oh my God, Twenty Twelve. Godzilla, nineteen ninety eight. She cast Daisy. Let's um. She she fell. Well, she fat Yeah, like so. Part she one of my me. favorite things about J.J. Abrams is that he's really good with casting. So I imagine that yeah. April Webster is a key component of that. Yeah. Thank you, April. <laughs> Thank you, April Webster. Your your work is terrific. She fuck, she Chris Pine. Yeah. 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 I was just about to say, was that two thousand nine? I think I think so. Because that cast is flawless those movies get crapped on for no reason they slap <laughs> they slap but i mean one thing that you that's not really that's kind of unimpeachable like whether you're a fan or not of the kelvin verse is that the casting is great the casting's perfect for everyone even pike like freaking yeah even like what what is that bruce is that what bruce mccullough no that yes. he's one of the kids in the hall no um greenwood bruce greenwood excuse me yeah no bruce mccullough is definitely one of the kids in the hall but bruce greenwood is pike mm-hmm. yeah we've had a lot of good pikes in the tw- in in this uh, in this uh century yeah we're living <laughs> in the golden era of pike golden era of chris pike y'all the last good <laughs> the last good white man as claire and i like to joke that is actually so true like we, i remember when she was in season two of discovery and she was like oh god are they really just gonna put another white man on the bridge of this starship i'm like yes but he's special <laughs> this one is this one's okay i promise <laughs> He's, he's so special. Don't worry. I'm excited for Strange New World. Me too. So Saeed and Locke uh, followed Kate and she says that the reason why she didn't ask them for help is because they don't know where they're going and they aren't motivated, which is totally true and totally fair. Um, Rousseau knows where they're going and also has someone she cares about there. So she's both of those things. It was a very smart choice. Um, and Locke's like, you're wrong about that. And she's like, well, you sure didn't come after us when we were taken. So uh, yeah. When Sawyer pointed that out, I was like, what a fair criticism. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, a, a son of a bitch. You were right. I mean, I guess Hurley like was told at the end of season two, like, Hey, don't ever come back here. And Hurley's like, you got it. And he's the only one that could really help. So <laughs> And Locke's like, no, you're you're not wrong about the motivation. I don't have any motivation to help you, um, but I do know where to look. And Kate's like, how? And Saeed's like, because of the way the sun hit Mr. Echo's stick when he was being buried. And Locke's like, I'm embarrassed about how you said that. <laughs> I love the way Saeed says it, though. Yeah, and but but Locke, it's his his reaction is so like. You know, when you say it like that, it sounds stupid, but I'm going to yeah. stick by it. Exactly. And I, I this this moment actually is like Kate just learning that Mr. Echo is dead as well. <gasps> Yikes. Like she I didn't, didn't know. realize that. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, if the deleted scene had stayed in, we would have seen her like acknowledging his death. True. Oh, yeah. Earlier in the episode. But based on the text as presented, it's just like, hold on, he's what? Yeah, exactly. I didn't even think about that. So they start getting shot at by Rousseau and Kate seems to really understand Rousseau because of the time that they spent together in maternity leave, I think. She wants her help to find their camp because they never would have been let go, but someone helped her. She was about 16 years old and her name was Alex. Mm. And she's like, I think she's your daughter. What are you doing here? I came to ask for your help. To do what? I'm heading to the other's camp and if I'm going to find it, I need someone who knows the island. What makes you think I have an interest in helping you? 
because they had me, and they would have never let me go. Probably would have killed me if I hadn't escaped. And the girl who helped me escape, she was about 16 years old. And her name was Alex. I'm pretty sure that she's your daughter. No spoilers, but she's definitely her daughter. Yeah, I mean, yeah. April Webster saw to it that we made no mistake about that. Exactly. Exactly. It's like she finds Tanya Raymond to be like, this girl looks exactly like Mira Furlan's daughter. (laughs) And they're both so good. Like, it's so, it's like lucky when you find somebody who looks so much like the person that you're like trying to cast Mm -hmm. for um, and is also so talented. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's the art of the casting director, folks. Yep. See, you're right. They should they should get awards. So that's the small little B storyline. So let's head back up to the beginning of the episode and talk about the super fun stuff. All right. Yay. So Hurley gives an update of what's been happening recently to Libby's grave. He places a flower on it and tells her he misses her. So he's basically telling Libby what happened in season three so far mm-hmm. um, and that everybody's scared. And Hurley says he's been scared most of the time, except when he's with Libby, which is really, really nice. Like knowing what's going on. And what's going to happen in this episode. It's like so crazy to me that they're like, okay, well, we do need to start this episode sad Mm -hmm. so that it's just not all happy. We need something. Yeah. Also, interesting fact. Is this one of only a few episodes that has no previously at all? Because that's exactly what Robin said. I, I don't know. How many episodes don't have previously? Hurley's kind of giving the previously to Libby. Oh, true. Yeah, he's just doing it. Oh my God, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Thanks, Hurley. Yeah. You know what? Like, if if I were to try to make it make sense, and I don't know if this is true or not, um, but I wonder if, like, they were like, we're trying to fit so much happiness in this episode, but, like, we don't have time for it previously. (laughs) I mean, in a weird way, like, if you consider, like, I watched this episode out of context. Uh, I'm not doing a full series rewatch right now. (laughs) So I just Mm -hmm. popped back to this episode. I'm like, oh, this episode's pretty good at reminding me everything that's going on. Plus, it's fairly self-contained. So... The network must have been like, wait, do we not need one this week? Because, but also cutting, starting with the cold, starting cold with Shambhala in the flashback is kind of yeah. a banger start to the episode. Yeah, for sure. And it feels a little special that it's the that you like push play and you go right into it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the editors of the people, the people who uh, who always edit them previously on Lost, are like nice. <laughs> no work this week. Yeah. Yeah, like they watch the episode and they go, "Go home, Ryan." I think we're okay. Yeah, yeah. So Hurley finds Charlie shaving his face. Charlie is moping because of what Desmond told him recently. Vincent runs up, holding a rotting arm in his mouth. The arm holds a set of keys, and Hurley runs after Vincent to get the keys. Well, you know how dogs are. What a good boy! Did nothing wrong. Exactly. I have a thought about Charlie shaving, which is yeah. anytime a character on Lost is shaving. I feel like they took a few days. They must have taken a, a week or a few days to shoot something else. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's my standing theory. Right, but then also I have a complaint because when we see him later, when he's like, "I'm riding shotgun and everything," he already has like a pretty significant like five o'clock shadow. Mm-hmm. And like, wait, know, Charlie- has the beard? John Huff has the beard, girl. Depends on the person, right? Uh, it, it depends on the person. Like there are some actor, some actors like talk about talk about how you like on a long shoot day you actually would have to shave multiple times to remain clean mm-hmm. shaven. Like, wow. but it's actually a pretty common reason why you see actors when they're off season of their shows they just have like those beards is because they're shaving so much on set. Like right. uh, John Hamm is a great example. 
Right. I love you, John Ham. John Ham's beard grows super fast. So, like when he was doing Mad Men, like literally as soon as he would rap for the season, you would you just see him grow a mountain man beard. Like, yeah. Because he's just like, I shave three times a day on Mad Men. I'm tired of it. Three yeah. times a day. But I mean, like he's got like that really thick, super dark facial hair, like that. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I was like, I don't know how realistic it is for Charlie, just because he's like a little Hobbit boy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's true, but he's probably gonna be. They probably have to like. He's probably gonna have a beard again by like the next episode, so they gotta right. like justify it in universe, maybe. Yeah, they just Ooh, kind of have to show point. it. Yeah, they just kind of have to show it sometimes, so mm-hmm. that like everybody stops asking about it basically beard continuity i am learning new things beard continuity beard continuity it must be a difficult job yeah Yeah. now now imagine like being on set of like 24 like and them having to like match your freaking stubble like across an entire season that would be so hard yeah so hurley says that charlie seems sad and charlie doesn't want to talk about it and he's like it's because I'm going to die. That's a good reason to be about <laughs> yeah. it. It's upsetting. Uh, Hurley's like, you can tell me anything. Yeah. Um, so then Charlie finally does tell him and Hurley's like, oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Great <laughs> like, moment. Well, we all do it. Like, that's not very helpful. Um, and Hurley's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I am cursed. So it makes sense that you're my best friend and I love you so much. Because like Libby just died and she was the person who I was like closest to. And you're my like person now. Like you were before I met Libby and now that Libby's gone, you're my person again. Um, so it makes sense that you would also die. Yeah. Oh, Sorry about geez. that. I shouldn't actually get close to anybody. Casualty of war. Oh, geez. Relatable. <laughs> so then just uh, putting a button on that on that concept, Vincent brings in a rotting arm. He's like, death follows me. It's just like how the, the um, psychic says that death follows him. Mm-hmm. So Vincent brings him a rotting arm with car keys. The keychain has a rabbit's foot on it, which ties into the theme of making our own of luck. luck, yes. Ooh. Clearly, Roger Workman did not make very good luck for himself. <laughs> Roger Workman. I love that. <laughs> Roger Workman, a character, a, a silly one-off character who surely bears no deeper plot significance to this series. Oh, no. Yeah, we will not no, be speaking never. of him in the spoiler section at all. No. Wacky. Everyone who hasn't watched Lost and listening to that is like, wait, that comes back? Yeah. <laughs> Everything comes back. Y'all should know this. Yeah, it's like, okay, the one spoiler we'll put in, in the non-spoiler <laughs> section is that a bunch of shit in this episode that you think is just there for a one-off actually pays off yeah. later. It's kind of great. Yep. Except Trisha Tanaka, she's not coming back. Oh. Although she is she herself is a payoff from earlier. Because exactly. I yeah. think in the like in the in numbers he mentions that Trisha Tanaka got hit by a meteor, right? I really? I actually think that it's in 201. Okay. But they still like they set that up and I didn't even realize it. Yeah, no, in they... 201 he told Jack that he bought because uh, he was telling Jack that he's unlucky. He was telling Jack about his curse. Right. And he said that he, he bought a chicken shack and it got hit by a meteor or a meteorite. I don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. And then what Jack took from that was you were in a mental hospital. Right, oh, right, right. And I remember complaining about that with Claire because Claire was on that episode with us and uh, we were really upset about that. Yeah, Jack and the Jack and the audience are like, wait, we need to, what's the detail we need to clock here? Because like, there's so many things in you, this sentence. You won the lottery, there was a meteor. Yeah. But he must, no, but he does mention Trisha Tanaka bef- uh, early as well. Interesting. Really? Like Trisha Tanaka, yeah, like, I feel like she was mentioned, she, I think, 
I, I, I don't think I'm making this up. I think she's mentioned earlier because the, they titled the episode Trisha Tanaka is Dead. And I feel like we already knew it. Like we already knew that fact before, which justifies the title of the episode. Anyway, we'll talk about more of this when we get to the, sp- the flashback. Yeah, I didn't think, I thought it was literally just like, uh, oh, who's that random person? Mm-hmm. It it doesn't say that she was uh, mentioned anywhere else. Oh God, why am I just making that up? Okay. Mandela effect. You know what though? Yeah. You said it so convincing that I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what? Acting. Yeah. Improv. He's acting. So, yeah. Hurley just says, tell somebody if I'm not back in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> so Charlie's like, I don't have a watch. Ball- I'm gonna just <laughs> have to guess. Also, baller confidence move on Hurley. I, I enjoy... Right, true. I enjoy the amount of agency that he takes in this episode. Yes. Yeah. He's so confident. And then he immediately runs off into the jungle with the Michael Giacchino uh, caper music. Yes. And and I love um, whenever this happens, because it happens like kind of rarely for him, but it definitely happens. And it's always kind of not, not always the same in a bad way, but like you can tell that he has like these bouts of confidence in that way, yeah. you know, like uh, in, um, what episode was that? In numbers? It's usually at Sawyer too. Yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah. In numbers <laughs> when he like decides to like go and he puts his shirt on his head and he's like, I'm going to find Rousseau and ask her about the numbers or whatever. Yeah. And that has one of yeah, the best that's one of the best cuts on the show because it like smash cuts to him walking on the beach with like the hip hop music. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because uh, his um, his Walkman craps out the next episode. Ah, uh, yes. So he still has it. Oh, uh, yeah. R.I.P. If I were to um, Walkman, I'd love to retroactively make a point about that, which is that like the fact that he used it so much in numbers is the reason why it crapped out in in translation oh oh wow good good catch hey guys upon re-listen to this podcast i realized that um in translation happens before numbers so i don't know what i'm talking about i'm so sorry so my her- walkman sorry i i need to talk about old people things my walkman sometimes wouldn't work unless i actually smacked it against my hand uh i used to have to hold it upside down what like there was a point actually my ps1 did this too where you where the lid was loose enough where to get the discs to play properly i had to put put the machine upside down and have it weighing the lid down <laughs> That's genius. Um, hey, anything to make it work. Right, right. Robin, I, a disc man and a PS1 are primitive <laughs> disc-based technology. I'm familiar. I'm familiar. I used to drop, I had an iPod mini, like, remember the, the candy-colored ones? I do. I had a lime green iPod mini, like the chunky one, and it would die periodically, and the only thing that would fix it is for me to hold it above my head and just drop it. And that would bring it back to life, and it would have half battery again. Wow. They don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> they genuinely don't. Although they, they did, genuinely they uh, Apple re- brought the click wheel back to life today. What really? On the new the new Apple TVs that they're releasing, they they have a yeah. new remote, and the outer edge of the wheel is like a click wheel that you can move forward and backward <gasps> in the episode, like iPod style. Oh my god, memories! I gotta go see this. This is really cool. Yeah. Sorry, we're, we're, you see, we're old. And we like these things. Yeah, I know. The click wheel. Oh, they did. Oh, it's cool. A very curious generational quirk. Yep. Robin, you may continue. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's just like sitting here staring at me like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. You guys are sharing a space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Hurley follows Vincent, gets the keys, and discovers the iconic Dharma van. So we'll just like leave the arm there, I guess. 
I mean, it's Roger's not using it. So. That's true. Um, and mm. Vincent basically shows him to the vehicle, and we say, "Welcome to the Dharma van," which um, is iconic. Iconic vans in history: Scooby Dharma. I believe the Scooby is also a VW bus. Is it? No, I don't think it is. The mystery. No, oh, I don't think like so. It. Oh no, no the mystery machine's like a. That's like a van van. It's just like a van. She's like chunkier. Yeah, it's like, she's a, like those those white vans that you see that they tell you not to get into. It's like paint Norse gods on the side of it van. And then painted. Yes! Hurley looks around at the van and it's tipped on its side and he finds a dead body inside. I mean, it's lost. Unfazed! <laughs> at this point, they're just like, oh, all right, another one? <laughs> yeah. Um, he like looks inside and like smiles at this dead body. Cannot relate to this making me smile. Um, I would be absolutely horrified. And then we also see a rosary on the rear view mirror. I have more thoughts on this <laughs> tiny little scene, but unfortunately it all has to go in the spoiler, spoiler section. section. Last episode on Strange in a Strange Land, our spoiler section was like maybe three minutes long because nothing ever comes back from that episode. That episode's useless. Nothing in that episode matters. Yeah. When if I was you doing that episode, it wouldn't matter. Sorry for interrupting you. When I was doing my notes for this one, I was like, oh crap, There, I had, I have a lot to write down. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's funny because even the stuff you think matters in Stranger in a Strange Land doesn't matter. Like, Doesn't matter, exactly. The Like, the, the sheriff never comes back. Like, right. none of the characters, <laughs> the flashback doesn't matter. Like, what happens to Juliet doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That episode is just, like, not only useless, but just deeply racist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Paolo and Nikki complain that they've run out of Dharma oak bars. Sun is only speaking to Jin in English so that he learns better. Um, Hurley runs up and asks for help fixing the car. No one volunteers except Jin, who has no idea what's going on. I love Jin. Hey, Daniel did Kim, man. I uh, My only note for this moment in my notes is, God damn it, he's hot. <laughs> he's so attractive. He's so good looking. He's he tweeted today and he was like, I want to be in Star Trek. I love Star Trek. And I was like, I love you, Daniel Please Day Kim. Please do. He's such a good person. What, Star Trek should be tripping over itself to put him in Star Trek now. Exactly. <laughs> so Paolo and Nikki are in the pantry because we need to remind everybody that Paolo and Nikki are here. Oh God. I need to make a quick comment on Paolo and Nikki here. Is that, sure. is that when everybody is opting out of working on the van that Paolo actually drags Nikki yes. back right? by the shorty shorts. Yeah. And I'm just like, like, he's like, we're not doing this. What if Nikki wanted to help with the van? Exactly. If I could like make this make sense for my brain, I remember like episodes ago, Desmond going to Paolo and being like, hi, can I borrow like a golf club or whatever? And Paolo's like, okay, whatever. Just like try and give it back because you always do this thing where you run off into the jungle and then you die. And then I have to look for the golf club. So just like, don't do that. So it makes sense to me that Hurley would be like, who wants to come and do a thing in the jungle? Mm. And Paolo was like, no, you're going to die. <laughs> oh, no. See, I thought it was foreshadowing. Like I thought that was another one of the little crumbs leading up to expose. I mean, for sure it is. Yeah. Every time we see them is. For but sure. In this house, we openly talk about that. There's a, um, an, an episode called expose coming. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of iconic. Okay. I love it. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to say to first time viewers of the, sh of the series lost, um, Nikki and Powell are super dumb and they, they yeah. are a, uh, a device that don't work, but they do pay off with a banger yeah. episode of television. Totally. I mean, I think, I think 
like this is maybe spoiler thoughts, but I definitely think that like him stopping her from doing something is to preserve mm-hmm. the secret. Right. Mm. That scene with Paolo with Desmond being like, I don't want to be part of your reindeer games, your reindeer games, because you always die. And I don't want to be part of that is something about Paolo that I never really remember or like think about, but I'm trying to because it's like clearly a thing, like one of the first times that we see him without Nikki in an episode. And so it's like something that's important Hmm. about his character. And this time, like Nikki was the one who said, Hey, I want to go when Locke was like, who wants to come to the Pearl? Nikki was one said, I want to and Paolo said huh exactly you know and mm-hmm. so like him doing this being like no thank you because last time we went Echo died uh, yeah so and also like, like so, he so, might not trust her on her own yeah point. and everything that I'm saying keeps coming true so we did mm-hmm. the thing and then someone died I'm not going again because someone's gonna die I'm not doing it yeah he's very aware that the, he's like we uh, Nikki we're red shirts let's not do yeah. this exactly and he knows what show he's on he knows, he knows what show he's on he understood yeah. the assignment He's like, I know, I know we're not the main character. He is yeah. very close to being Sam Rockwell in Galaxy Quest. <laughs> oh, God. What a, a truly, I overuse the word iconic, but what an iconic role. <laughs> I just, I love it. He's such a great actor. It's a perfect movie. It's, it's, as many people have said, the best Star Trek movie. And I say it is so true. maybe the second or third best Seven Samurai movie. I love that. In the, well, you know the subgenre and what we call yes. a, what we call a, a seven, a seven amigos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How many amigos is lost? Uh, well, oh, like 18. Is, how, I'm trying to remember. Is there a, is there a three amigos slash seven samurai episode of lost where it's like a bunch of misfits have to defend something and they're frauds? Hmm. I don't know. If there is, I bet it's a Kitz's Horowitz episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Right. Cause I think Adam and Eddie did expose too. Mm. Cause sometimes I'm like, are they bad writers? And then I'm like, you know, I maybe think, they just get bad ideas. I think maybe they're good writers. I think I they're like good writers. A, I just don't know if they're very good showrunners. I think that there was also yeah. a lot going on with Once Upon a Time. I think that there was a yeah. there was it seems like there was pretty high actor turnover. Like every time they yeah. brought in a leading man, they had to write him off the beginning of the next season. Because he um, got too famous. Well, no. I mean, first they had to write off Pinocchio Boy, and then they had to write off uh uh terriers guy and then they Sebastian had Stan. yeah they got rid of sebastian Stan, and they, and they got rid of jamie dornan and, yeah like they they had to keep oh fuck i forgot about jamie dornan right yeah <laughs> like i was thinking about like what's his name from season one who turns out to be pinocchio uh, oh yeah his name's august i think i don't remember who plays yeah him. like they had to yeah because they get rid of august they get rid of i never thought about the, that of, they can't hold on to men yeah god what's the the, the rumple except robert carlisle rumple's son the guy who um who, yeah that was him. peter pan yeah. right no he was august august was oh oh wait neil no neil no no august wasn't rumple's son no neil they had to write off neil too so like oh i didn't know that and then later on by the time they get to the frozen seasons i feel like they're being asked to do a lot of things on the show yeah i was not there for that i i was gone by then yeah they were very much in the disney machine yeah right which they had to be to use those characters sure i mean and that's not and look sometimes people can people know how to do that like Ralph Breaks the Internet's a banger. Like, yeah. Oh my god, Ralph Breaks the Internet is great. Yeah. I need to rewatch that. I only ever watched it that one time we saw it we in the theater. Like, sometimes playing in the corporate sandbox, you, you, there, are, there are people who know how to do it. Like, there's a lot of yeah. MCU directors who really know how to do it. Right. Taika! Taika! Yeah. I definitely... 
I didn't consider it from that point of view, but you're totally right. Like, and there is also an argument to be made for burnout. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. It's, I mean, there's a reason why I guess the show tried to do a hard reboot of itself. Mm-hmm. Like, and they did that spinoff with with Naveen with Naveen too. Wait, is is Naveen Andrews in Wonderland? Yeah, yeah. he plays Jafar. Ooh, interesting. See, we we connected it back to Lost again. However, Good. I have to say, like, I, I have, and I, and obviously Naveen is incredible, and um, the representation that Saeed uh, is is awesome. Um, but Naveen is not from Iraq. No, um, no. He's, no he's Indian, British Indian. So, like, I don't even know how I feel about him playing. Jafar either. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What do okay, you get, John? We, let's 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 acknowledge it's problematic before we yeah. stand. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's my thing is like I always have to preface what I say with, hey, I know this is problematic, but plastic straws hit harder than paper straws. Yeah. yeah. That kind of hot take. Exactly. You're yeah. allowed to enjoy problematic things as long as you acknowledge that they're problematic. Exactly. exactly. Oh, like, my king. So Paolo and Nikki are in the pantry. They're out of oat bars. Um, Sun is only talking to Jin in English so he can learn. Okay, I've got translations Yay, for Jin. There was no translations for the tie in the last, last episode. episode. And that was a bummer. And that was a bummer. But, you know, all the Korean is almost always translated on mm-hmm. Lostpedia, which I really appreciate because clearly Korean is such an important language in uh, in the show that like it makes sense to me that a lot of that some korean people have come in and translated it for us which is really really nice and it makes sense that like maybe thai people don't want to go and do <laughs> that one because um, yeah. they were terrible to them that's okay. so fair so jin asks for the or sun asks jin for the cereal he says in korean i don't know what you're talking about oh why are you doing this uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh why are you doing this yeah relatable it really runs in and tells him about the car. Um, he's like, we can fix it because because he used to fix cars with his dad. Um, so he can fix it. Um, it's funny that then Jin like goes with him and Jin is like, hey, we can't do this. And Hurley's like, sure. Like Hurley never actually really did fix that car with his dad and doesn't really know how. Oh my God. I, the whole time I was like, why won't Hurley fix it? Didn't occur to me. He doesn't know how because his dad bounced and never Aww. taught him. Yeah, but it's, re- but it's really important to him to get it done. I, I appreciate that, like, Jin kind of seems to know what he's doing when he looks at the engine, though. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, he was the perfect person. I'm like, where did you where did you learn how to work on cars? You're such a you're a man of so many talents. It's so true. Engines and engine, man. Fishing boats have have engines. Oh, my sure. God. Duh, of course. But Sawyer also like eventually shows up and is like somebody who you might actually expect to know things about cars. <laughs> he just sits there and drinks beer the whole time. He's like, I'm not helping. He's like, he says he can't fix it. Give up. <laughs> Honestly, he's like, I get it. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, he's like, like I'm looking for something really important from this, and Sawyer's like, so am I, and I found it. It's, it's this beer. It's beer. It's like, what you think just because I'm from the South and I'm a redneck <laughs> that I know how to fix an engine? Who's racist now? They didn't fix any engines on the Little House. <laughs> <laughs> not little house little house they didn't have engines it, on little house exactly oh yeah oops that's what i'm saying so paolo's like i don't get it why do you want to do that and hurley's like because it'll be fun and all fun. of us need fun like especially charlie and charlie's like no <laughs> so no <laughs> one's gonna help everyone walks away except for Jin. and hurley knows that Jin doesn't know what he volunteered for but he is gonna make Jin still do it yeah i mean bless but- and like i think a similar thing happened in sos when bernard was like who's gonna help me carry rocks <laughs> oh Jin! <laughs> number of times we just dramatically panned to Jin, smiling Jin. politely 
Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is why you have to learn English. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's literally like, yeah, sure. I totally know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm in danger. (laughs) (laughs) Hurley and Jin check out the van. Jin tries to tell Hurley in Korean that it's pretty hopeless, but Hurley sucks at understanding him. They're going to flip over the van, but first they're going to get Roger out and his head falls off. Mood. So he's like, oh, poor Roger. Sorry about your arm. Jin says in Korean, Hurley, Hurley, look at this. So they open the back and they find beer. Jin says that he wants to flip the the van back. And what he says in Korean is, let's get the body out. Oh, okay. So Hurley says that he sucks at charades. And like, honestly, it was pretty clear, dude. Like, Mm. how how bad do you suck at charades that you- Like, you might suck at charades, but Jin is an expert at it by now. Yeah. Um, So he's like, oh, okay, so flip it over and get the body out. I totally understand. What? I love when people raise their voices. It's not that he's hard of hearing. And and, and I love that moment that, like, Hurley is such a victim of so many microaggressions that, like, we're constantly bringing up about how, like, people, like, uh, I think, like, Claire always brings these up about how how many microaggressions Uh they really got right about Hurley um, and his size. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that Hurley then turns around mm. and like no one's immune to these microaggressions true. and he turns around and starts yelling at, at Jin as if being louder will it make makes him it, understand. It makes it make more sense. That's true. Yeah. So it's like, we're all like, we're all, he's all, they're all just people. Exactly. I do appreciate that the episode gives Jin the opportunity to be like, what the f*** are you doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like there are people in the world who watch that episode and are like, yeah, that makes sense for him to do that. And then when you see Jin's face, they're like, oh, it does not make sense for him to do that. I won't be doing that anymore. <laughs> Your English, yeah, it's like, it's still English, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get better with volume. Thanks. <laughs> um, so they reach in and get Roger out, but his head falls off and they just go, ah, we'll get that later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they're like, must you? Now you've traumatized Sawyer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Look at it. It's a perfectly good kidnap victim. It's got yeah. trauma now. Oh, no. <laughs> So Charlie confronts Desmond. He wants to know when he'll die, but Desmond doesn't know. Uh, Sawyer comes up and yells at them because his stuff is missing, and he learns that they drank his scotch along with Hurley, so now he has to go yell at Hurley. (laughs) He's so mad, too. It's so funny. Wait, wait, hold on. What did I write? What did I write here? Sawyer's mad, but not for long, crying emoji. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, he's so, like, he's like, Hurley, I'm mad at you, and Hurley's, like, so happy to see him, and I'm like, time to cry. Whereas, like, season one Sawyer probably would have, like, tried to get revenge. Mm -hmm. Whereas season three Sawyer's just like, I like this hug. (laughs) He's already so much better. You want to talk about a serotonin hug? Jesus Christ. Yes. A hug from Hurley would solve so many problems. So true. I have a friend out here who's actually friends with Jorge Garcia. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I would just want to be part of that friend group so bad. Yeah. I know. As soon as I get to Jorge Garcia, like, I, I try and think of, um, like, you know, seven degrees or six degrees to Kevin Bacon or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I'm friends with Joe Garfine, and that takes me to Jorge Garcia, which takes me just about anywhere. Mm, so, like, I true. go, my first degree is Joe Garfine. My second degree is Jorge Garcia. My third degree is Dominic Monaghan. My fourth degree, fourth degrees to Ian McKellen. Ooh. Okay. Well, Joe Garfine. Jorge Garcia, Evangeline Lilly, I'm four degrees away from Paul Rudd. Yeah. <gasps> oh, I like that yeah. one. That's very strong. Evangeline lives out here, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I made a note. I forgot to say that during our conversation about the B story is that uh, uh, can, we, we uh, Canadian icon Evangeline Lilly does let's slip one quick Canadian story. 
in that first scene. Oh, she does, does she? Yeah. I didn't even notice because that's how I talk. When does she say it? I think it's like, let's see. I, I didn't have a lot of notes about the subplot. I say, I have a note here. God, yeah. these two I f***ing all over the place. <laughs> and then Evangeline Lily, sorry, Canadian alert. Oh, I think it should. we could both say sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have to re-listen to that later. And and it's it's adorable that you two don't notice because that's no, I didn't notice. It just sounds normal. That's the regular way to say sorry. Yeah. So Charlie asks Desmond when he's gonna die, and Desmond straight up regrets telling him. He's like, "I was drunk. Ha ha. That's not even real. I made that. I made it up." And Charlie does not believe him. Charlie says he has a right to know when he's gonna die, and I'm like, "Uh, "I feel like he kind of does." You think? Yes, because if someone that you know knows when you're gonna die but won't tell you wouldn't that be infuriating sure okay so he has a right to know yeah um and that and that person should tell him but he has the decision to whether to know or not like would you guys want to know it's such a weird thing because it's like technically no one has the right to know when they're gonna die yeah Yeah. okay knowable information but if someone actually did know. Exactly. Yeah. In a, in a perfect world, I would never know or never have the opportunity to know. Oh, God. And I think this is that perfect world, I guess. <laughs> but if you were Charlie, you would feel... Congratulations, the world is perfect. Exactly. We did it. We did it. We, we, we solved it. it. We, solved. <laughs> we can have world peace now. Yeah. But if you were Charlie and you, you did have access to that information, I would say that he has a right to... He has a right to ask. Yeah. Mm. And I think that Des, I think Des would say, okay, I'll tell you this, but you really need to concentrate on whether or not you actually want to know. Yeah, exactly. And also I think Desmond, I don't know, I can't remember if Desmond actually explains this in this scene or not, but like it's constantly changing for him. And so he's like, I can't tell you that because I don't want, because that, that'll change the, oh, right. That's going to change yeah. the flashes, right? Plus Desmond is kind of avoiding the entire issue in this episode. And I, like, there is a question, like we want to talk about like, what is, what's, our what's our right to know and not know what is our Mm -hmm. like but then what is what experiences of desmond's own mind and you know neuroatypicality we can call it (laughs) um can um it is his to hold that is technically it yeah Yeah. like what part of like how much should he keep to himself yeah like what part of desmond's neurodivergent experience is not there to be a party trick for other people that's a very fair question yeah it's like um without saying too much how much could desmond get charlie to do later this season without having told Charlie ahead of time this information. Yeah. Mm. Um, because if he just like explained it in the moment because he needed him to do something. It's true. Then like it probably wouldn't have worked. Because but yeah, but that that's another factor is that Desmond has used this to tr- to manipulate Charlie's behavior. Yeah. Yep. Even though it was to keep Charlie from dying. Mm-hmm. But still, oh God, it's complicated. Like if you're Charlie, that's gonna feel weird. Wow. Science fiction is a fertile ground for very complex meditations on on philosophy. It, Who saw really, this coming? It's why it's the best genre. It's yeah, great. If, and also, if I was Charlie, I'd be like, how how well do I even know this guy? Is this guy my friend? If it was Hurley, I would trust Hurley to save me every single yeah. freaking time. Well, it's like but, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, no, go no. Ahead. It's just I just don't know how much Desmond like. We, we see later this season without saying too much, obviously, but like there are some things that when Desmond sees it in his flash, he wants it so bad. And if Charlie doesn't die, 
then like mm. maybe he doesn't get that thing. Right. And so like, I don't know if I even trust Desmond to save me every single time or is he leading me into a trap? Mm. I don't know. I don't know him that well. He's not my, He's. we're not super good friends. Fair enough. Yeah, and I appreciate that Lost in a lot of the ways that it's explicitly written, kind of dives headfirst into this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it was such a, it, like behind the scenes, especially, it was so well made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the writers understood that you can posit a question, but if you just leave it, it kind of leaves your your audience unfulfilled. But if you invite them just a little bit closer and allow them to explore it for themselves without babying them, it it invites such wonderful discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a there was a subtlety and a nuance there that I think doesn't I haven't seen in a while. It's rare. I think that Damon Lindelof is pretty good at bringing that to his shows. Yeah, For sure. He's, he's incredible. Yeah. He really is. I mean, I I believe both The Leftovers and I mean Watchmen, God, are both shows that invite the kind of discussions that that lost did in its day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah desmond says it doesn't work like that and he doesn't know when um sawyer runs up and yells at charlie for stealing his stuff and he calls him oliver twist um and of course that's a name of a novel by charles dickens and it's like a little boy who's (laughs) like tiny and thin please sir i'd like some more Right, and he's also English. Um, That's pretty much where the illusion starts and stops for Sawyer. Exactly. He's he's British and tiny. Right, exactly. That'll do it. Right, later he calls him, he calls him Munchkin, I think. (laughs) After as well. Oh, he calls, uh, okay, I'm going to do that thing where I'm like, problematic, but I still stand. Um, He calls her really snuffy. Yeah. What, like, wait, can you explain that? Problematic, but I... I didn't really understand what that was. Snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus oh. is Big Bird's uh, large, uh, uh, hairy elephant imaginary friend. Oh, from of Sesame course, Street. of course. From Sesame Street. And yeah, like, it's it's technically a fat joke, it, but it's an adorable reference. And, absolutely. My favorite... And, as it, and I have a childhood love of Snuffy. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite um, Sawyer nickname of all time is also in this episode, which is Jobotron. Well, he, he gets the, ret- it gets the retort. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I think I have to say I think Jumbotron is one of his best. Well, it is. Also problematic uh, also problematic, but one of my sure. favorite Sawyer No, no, no. I mean, the one I'm about to say. Oh, also oh, sure. problematic. The my favorite Sawyer nickname of all time is in one episode he refers to Jin as Chewy. Right. Right. And I mean, I just it's like Han Solo and Chewbacca and you don't know what he's saying, but you love him. <laughs> And it's yeah. just like, oh. yes, and you're saying that because you don't speak Korean and you're just equating it with gobbledygook and that's not great. But yeah. but anyway. I'm with you. <laughs> um, so Oliver Twist is the third reference to Charles Dickens in the series. We have Our Mutual Friend, which is the um, book that Desmond says that he's going to read in his like last moments. Um, and then A Tale of Two Cities, which was the name of the episode 301. Mm. Um, and then this one is the third one. Um, I don't know if there are any more other than just talking about our mutual friends more, but I guess we'll find out. I don't know how Sawyer knew it was Charlie who did all these things. He comes straight to him, but he's missing books, food, porno, and a bottle of scotch. Um, we were talking in flashes before your eyes about like, if Sawyer would be embarrassed about the fact that they found that he has porno. Um, clearly not. No, he has no We were right. He would not, he's not, he's like, where are, where is it? Where's my porn? Yeah. Give it to me right now. Where did Sawyer, or where did Charlie put it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like charlie's like living with claire and claire's like excuse me like oh, wow what is this now right near my baby <laughs> look sometimes you take a walk <laughs> yeah 
Ugh. Exactly. It's just like hanging out where um, where he used to like go get high and stuff. Yeah. So Desmond takes responsibility for the scotch, but there were three of them who were doing it. Desmond, Charlie, and who else? Hurley. So Sawyer has to go find him. Mm-hmm. Next scene, Hurley and Jin work on flipping the van and Sawyer comes to yell at Hurley. Uh, Sawyer just ends up with a bunch of hugs and happy feelings. Um, he tells them that Jack is still with the others and Hurley's like, okay, well, anyway, help us because beer. Like, well, that's a compelling <laughs> argument, actually. And Sawyer is like, I came here for revenge, but I get alcohol instead. That's fine. Good enough. So they're using these thin trees as levers to prop it up and Jin in Korean says, like this, huh? Like this? Yeah, like this? Sawyer's like, hey, I'm here to yell at you. And then, but Hurley's just so happy to see him. And so they just have like these big hugs and it's really sweet. It's just two buds. Wholesome bros. Um, then he calls him Snuffy and he's like, y'all found yourselves a hippie car. And so, then also says that Jin is hooked on phonics, um, which is a line of educational materials that help children learn to read and write proper English. Do they still use those? I don't know. I don't know, but the commercials were on all the time when I was all the kid. time because it, it was the iconic catchphrase "hooked on phonics" worked for me. Hooked on yep. phonics. So Hurley's like, "Where's Kate and Jack?" And Sawyer says, "Oh, well, Kate's here, but we had to leave Jack behind." And he's like, "I'm really sorry, Hurley, because like those are the four people who he went with." Mm. Yep, and that's survival guilt. Yeah, Kate's like oh, I hate that we have to go tell them that we didn't bring back Jack or whatever. And Sawyer's like, oh man, it's my job to do it this time. I'm so sorry, Hurley, but we couldn't bring back Jack. And Hurley's like, mm, all right, that's okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's fine. Um, it's going to be fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> and Sawyer's like, well, if you say so, thanks for helping me out then. It's like a sign that things are better and you're going to help us because there's beer. And Sawyer's like, yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I am going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, that was my stuff. What are y'all doing? Dude, you're alive! Alive! <laughs> yeah, yeah, Snuffy. It's good to see you, too. I'll be damned, y'all found yourselves a hippie car. Pretty cool, huh? Sawyer. Jimbo. <laughs> How you doing? Good to see you. Well, look at that. Somebody's hooked on phonics. What about Jack and Kate? They with you? They all right? Kate's with me. But the doc... They still got it. Okay, it's okay. It's gonna be all right. Jack's gonna be all right. We all are. Well, what a relief. Nah, see, things are getting better. The car, you coming back safely, it's a sign. Yeah, a sign I want my stuff back. Uh Uh-uh. You're gonna help us fix this thing. And why in the hell would I do that? Because there's beer. That's how I've been talked into every move I've ever helped with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's classic. So the boys flip the van. Jin looks at the engine, which is pretty toast. Um, Sawyer finds Roger's head and Hurley tries to turn on the van, but there's no luck. Um, Vincent tries to go into the van first and Sawyer tells him not to skip the line, basically. And I'm like, Sawyer, you're talking to a dog. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But okay. He's like, Vincent, please have some compassion. Vincent, it's now the time. Um, so he finds a bunch of garbage in the back and like these crumpled papers, including a roadmap. Um, there was a couple of things on Lostpedia about this. So besides the roadmap, none of the scraps of paper in the back of the van were meant to be seen. But one, the so-called, I, you know, Hawaiian better than me. Can you read? Ho'ulu? Yeah. Lahui. 
document managed to make it on screen. Script coordinator Greg Nations has confirmed that the document was simply an arbitrary pop prop and has no relevance to the Lost Universe. Oh, People were like, what's that? And he was like, nothing, Dude, please nothing. don't look. Don't overanalyze this one. But the map that Sawyer looks at um, showed plans for what appears to be a switchback road starting from the Swan. The concentric circles indicated it was also a topographical map. So Carlton stated in an interview about that, the purpose of that map was just to establish that basically there was at one point a road that linked the Dharma stations, but within 25 years of jungle growth, those roads have been overgrown. Mm. Fascinating. Okay. So that was basically the reason why they showed that map. So the engine is overgrown with ivy and Jin says in Korean, it will take a long time to fix this. Mm. Um, and Hurley, who doesn't understand what Jin says, looks at the engine and goes, hey, it looks good to me. Oh, bless. I can, we, can, we can work with this. Sure. 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 Why not? And Sawyer finds the head and <laughs> Hurley's like, it's just Roger. Please, Sawyer, chill out. Please. It's just Roger. That's my friend, Roger. Yeah. It's our, our, our good friend, Roger. Yeah, yeah please. And Sawyer's like, bro. I've missed something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Hurley's going to go start the car. And then Jin in Korean says, no, don't do it yet. You have to check the engine first. Nah. Uh, and like, Hurley yeah, goes, that's correct. Hurley's like, no, no, it's fine. Sawyer gets his beer because he doesn't want the beer to blow up. So he has to grab a bunch of beer just in case it blows up. Okay. Um, the car won't turn on, which is, of course, a parallel to the flashbacks. Um, and then he says, I have hope because mm. basically the two main themes of this episode are hope and luck. Mm-hmm. Like the two main concepts. Um, and David Reyes says it, like they just say it in like the same sentence Oh, okay. throughout the whole episode is that having hope isn't stupid and you make your own luck. A question for all the drivers in this. Do uh, Are both of you car drivers? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have a question because I've never had to start an engine that's uh, okay. having a hard time. Well, okay. no, that's a lie. I have, but um, my car, my car key doesn't work this way. But um, does doing that extra little like jiggly twist do ever actually do anything on an idling engine not in my experience no other than it just sure does it's like blowing into like a nintendo cartridge you're like maybe it'll help yeah. it makes me feel better exactly <laughs> it's just that so it's just a thing that literally everyone does even if it's not doing anything for the engine yeah right or maybe exactly or, or maybe it did help when it was like older cars and stuff like that maybe Ooh. yeah like when like there was actually some friction you were dealing with like yeah Mm-hmm. That's possible. And then, yeah, Hurley doesn't even get any car noises. Like, it's completely yeah, dead. That's a that's a dead, dead engine. Yeah, she's dead, Jim. So Sawyer drinks his gross beer and sits with Roger. Hurley tells him to respect the dead. And Jin tells Hurley that he can't fix the engine. And Hurley tells him that he has to. Um, Sawyer tells him to give up, but Hurley still has hope. Aww. So he's just got his, like, flat, stinky beer. And, oh, on <laughs> Lostpedia, they had this important thing to say. Okay. The beer cans in the van have one of the newer type litter-free ring pulls. Confronted with this apparent error, the producers joked the Dharma Initiative invented the ring pulls. Manufacturers nice. actually used these ring pulls until at least 1990, so Dharma could well have used them during... Oh, wait. This is a spoiler! <laughs> What a nerdy thing to notice, though. Yeah, someone's like, actually... Um, well, actually... What, the beer wouldn't have had that click, those clicky tops? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I guess that means that, that um, well, beer, uh, well, cans of soda and beer had that style of top throughout my entire lifetime. Yeah, same. Born in the early 80s, which suggests to me that perhaps that beer must have been from a time during my lifetime yeah mm, sure 
That would that would suggest that. Which makes me wonder if maybe the Dharma Initiative was around longer than we may have previously suspected at this point in the show. Hmm, what an interesting maybe. thing to point out, John. Well, think about that. Hmm. It also could just be a continuity error, but right. <laughs> yeah. we'll continue this discussion in the spoiler <laughs> So Hurley talks about Rocky 2 and Rocky 3. Um, he suggests that Dharma Beer is older than both of them, <laughs> which came out in 1979 and 1982. Spoiler thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Spoiler thoughts on that. So Hurley asks Jin how to fix it, and Sawyer calls Roger Skeletor, which is a reference to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Yeah, it is. It's a character in that animated series. And Hurley's like... Stop, that guy had a family. I'm like, hmm, I have thoughts. Hmm. His name was Roger Workman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Sawyer says, no, he's a workman. He's a janitor. Um, and calls him a blockhead. Blockhead? <laughs> Fantastic Chef's insult. Chef's tear roast. Uh, blockhead needs a resurgence. Yes. Yeah, you blockhead. You blockhead. I gotta use that again. The Lucy Van Pelts of the world must rise up and bring their, their descriptor Exactly, back. which Precisely. is a reference to Peanuts. This was a popular put down in this strip usually directed towards the main character, Charlie Brown. Can you get it to work? Do you know what's wrong? Chill out. Let the man do his thing. Dude, that beer's been sitting there since before Rocky Three, Maybe even two. It's probably poisoned by now. Skeletor seems to like it. Bottoms up. It's not cool, dude. That guy had a mom, a family, and friends. Oh, and a name. Not Skeletor, it's Roger Workman. It's Workman, you blockhead. That's his job. He was a Dharma janitor. Yeah, well, you should still respect the dead. It is absolutely just straight up Christmas for Sawyer when Hurley is this dumb. <laughs> I really feel like Sawyer secretly just really likes correcting people, which I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Even um, actually, for sure. For sure. I mean, he has done all the reading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And Hurley's like, okay, whatever, but still, you should still respect him. It's important. Jin says in Korean, the battery is completely dead. Maybe, but Jin says he can't fix it. Mm. Um, And so Sawyer tells Hurley to just give up. And Hurley's like, why do you not want it to work? Sure. And And Sawyer's like, I don't care if it works. Why do you care if it works? And Hurley says it's because everyone needs hope. And I'm like... Yeah, he, he just needs a win. Yeah, you've attached some very personal stakes to this uh, small outing. And he's like, well, there's no hope here, so look somewhere else. And it's like, hey, Sawyer, you'll see. You'll get hope, even if you didn't ask for it. Sawyer getting very Dante-esque for a moment. Yep. <laughs> um, Hurley prays to get the van working. Sawyer teaches Jin a few English words. Sawyer throws a beer can at Hurley, and it rolls down a hill, which gives Hurley an idea. Mm. Um, I love that Hurley was like, I'm praying for like a sign, and Sawyer's like, haha, here you go, and throws it, and then just gives him the sign that he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Hurley just sits with Vincent and prays, and there was a lost on location, I think, for this episode, and Dan, Daniel Day Kim, said that it was so fun, this scene, because it was such like a change of pace um, for like what he usually gets to gets to shoot. And there's also a deleted scene um, in which they shotgunned some beers oh my God. together. <laughs> it's very cute. Uh, Release the shotgun cut. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You can see some of the uh, some of the footage in the Lost on Location. If anyone wants to go check it out, yeah. Sawyer also calls Hurley the International House of Pancakes, and I'm like, all right, this is a lot for, <laughs> for mm. one episode. Yeah, yeah, we're hoping for we're we're building towards needing that retort. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he says that he's praying for help, and um, 
Sawyer throws the beer and it really does help. Yeah. It actually really does. Hurley gets back to the beach. Charlie is still sitting and staring out to sea. Hurley slaps him in the face and tells him that they need to do this because they all need a win. This show has a lot of slapping in it. Two slaps in one episode this episode. <laughs> Can you believe it? He's like, stop moping, you're coming with me. Charlie wears a t-shirt for Bob Dylan's Highway 61 tour. In the song, Highway 61 Revisited, Dylan uses the mysterious location Highway 61 as a metaphor for all things dangerous and deadly. All right. The island. The island. Mysterious location. Mm. So Charlie's like, what's the point in even doing this? And he gets slapped uh, across (laughs) the face. (laughs) You're such a funny slap because you do not see it coming. Pull yourself together, man. Yeah, Exactly. So he's like, stop feeling sorry for yourself because someone said that you're going to die. And I'm like, it seems like a pretty good reason to feel sorry for yourself. It's in my opinion. so valid. Yeah. Mm. So he's like, instead, you should come and do something dangerous that you might actually die doing. And like, things have sucked lately and I really need this win. So like, let's go. And Charlie's like, this sounds like the ramblings of a totally sane man. Yep. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, here's the thing is I, I feel like Charlie at least understands that if Desmond's not telling him how he's going to die, it's not going to be crashing in a van. Right. Desmond would show up and maybe stop it if 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 it was. Right, right. So, like, I feel like there is a little bit of power. Like, they both feel a little bit of power in that, like, this is not, this is not how we're going to fucking die. Yeah, exactly. And I think that subconsciously we both know that. So let's get behind the wheel and prove that we have a little bit of agency over death. What do we say to the god of death? Not today! Whatever, man. Whatever, man. Whatever, man. Yeah. So Sawyer and Jin continue to get drunk. Hurley tells them the plan and forces Sawyer into helping. They're going to push the van down the hill. So at this point, Sawyer and Jin are just like super drunk. They've had so many beers. They've had li- and I'm yeah. like, guys, ration. I know it's a lot of beer, but like ration. You, you don't, you don't want to <laughs> offer one to like Bernard? I mean, they did, he has plenty left at the end of the episode, which implies that That's there was true. a ton of beer in that car. Well, he doesn't right? even like, but he doesn't even like offer it to anybody. And I know that seems like a Sawyer move to do, but like, you don't think like Bernard would want one? Like maybe like sauce one to like Locke? He probably would drink it, mm. you know? If... If Sam Anderson was available, he would have 100% been in this episode. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. You're totally right. So he's teaching Jin English phrases that will help him with his wife, including, I'm sorry, you were right, and those pants don't make you look fat. Mm-hmm. He's like, those are the only three things women need to hear. And I'm like, I understand why you're not in a long-term relationship. It's like, you know, low-key lo- lo- sexist, you know, with the stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. Also, but again, remember, also thematically weirdly ties into that first scene. Yeah, exactly. But also, they've had eight beers. Yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah, yeah, good point. But like, if I... Ask my wife, does this make me look fat? I want an honest answer. I'm not looking to be flattered. I want an honest answer because then I'll change. I would, I, you let's, know. Let's take a a, a slight, tri- a, tri- a brief trip into heteronormativity, if you will. Okay. All right. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, if we were in a relationship, and you uh-huh. had, would you want like, hey, so you 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 are in a, a lovely relationship with a member of your own gender? Mm-hmm. Would you? But would you want to hear that from a, a cis man? That's a good point. Why, you know what? Why would I even ask a man that? Because like, and not even because I don't want your opinion, but just like, I would ask a woman that. I would right, be like, like, do I look fat in this? Do you, like you wouldn't, you don't even really know what looking fat yeah, to I don't, me looks like. Exactly. I don't want to become a total uh, like nag wife humor apologist here. And you shouldn't because a lot of that humor is rooted in misogyny. But I'm just saying that it, like, I think the crux of it is that a lot of times you're just like people are just looking for validation. 
Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's like, don't even bring up the pants then. Yeah. Because if you say you don't look fat in those pants, I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Do I, does he think, does he secretly think that I look fat in the pants? But I see, and I'm, I'm <laughs> just like, don't bring up the pants. My interpretation would be like, I mean, now that it, it's 2021 and we all have a lot more emotional intelligence, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But so it's like, are you like, it could at least prop the follow up question from a, a mature fellow. It's like, are you looking for validation or are you looking for slattery? The truth. Are you looking for validation or are you concerned about something? I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, you know what? That's the secret right answer is, hey, why do you ask? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, right. you're a genius. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah. he will go far. He's like, I think I've thought about it. I wouldn't, <laughs> vision, I wouldn't say visionary. I would say, yeah. oh, oh I, did you not say visionary? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been my word. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was unspoken, yet very clear. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, nice. Keep it coming. Uh, you were right. Okay, that's two. Hit me. Those pants don't make you look fat. <laughs> now you got it. Only three things a woman needs to hear. So Sawyer calls Charlie Jiminy Cricket, which of course is from Pinocchio, from mm-hmm. the 1940 Disney film Pinocchio. Fantastic uh, Charlie nicknames as well in this episode. And then he does the iconic line, what's your problem, Jumbotron, shut up, redneck man, touche. Which is just like one of my favorite moments in the entire show. Same. Shut up, redneck man. Sawyer, it's it's one of the most important moments towards like sort of redeeming Sawyer toward a more likable place, which is that- For sure. It's-, it's we get to actually see that he dish he can't he dishes it out and actually can take it and also yeah. sort of it, 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 that he has like pride <laughs> yeah he's like that's my boy it's like hey all right you figured it out i like that about you yeah and it's not like you know a a, a previous sawyer would have been like really that's all you got yeah yeah cool but this time he's like, all right, thanks for giving it a try. Or it's like, yeah, or it's just like, hey, you got, like, you know what? That that kind of hurt a little. You got me. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, you're kind of right. I am a redneck man. It's like, I Damn. exhibit a number of stereotypically redneck traits. You <laughs> Well observed, my good man. Fair <laughs> enough. My, my good bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like okay we're gonna push the car and Sawyer's like I have more questions and Hurley's like I don't want to hear any of your questions <laughs> so he just pulls them up and they're all gonna put they all push the van towards the hill and good god is it steep and I love how Vincent is just like one of the guys yeah the dog, the dog who plays Vincent is named Madison but mm-hmm. she gets to hang out and and pretend she's one of the guys which Look. I love I lo- they almost always use female dogs though because they use a lot of like mostly female animals in general I mean that they're, makes sense they're more obedient the- <laughs> yeah. yeah and not the visible genitals right That's you know true. you know and also no also no red rocket <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's the main issue yeah you can be like Jesus. i don't want to see dog balls today you know i'm good thanks yeah 
<laughs> so Hurley has faith that this will work and Charlie decides to ride shotgun even if this is how he dies. Sawyer and Jin push the van down the hill and it seems like it's not going to work but just at the last second the radio starts up and start and it starts driving. The others get in and they have a sweet joy ride around the valley. Oh my goodness. Like how do you not just like smile like beam during this I have, like once the radio goes. I've yep. probably seen this episode no fewer than five times at least uh-huh. and every single time the radio kicks on and you know it's like so number so number one like the radio kicks on and the engine roars to life it's it brings back the song from the beginning of the episode so there's a little bit of a connection there and also it's a banger of a song it's a Mm -hmm. it's a fave and it's just and i always every time throw my arms up and i'm like woo yeah literally and like there's this lovely moment where you're like Hurley always believed that it was going to work, even though everybody, like, no one believed he could. And, um, like, Sawyer and Jin are up there, and Sawyer, who has been, like, downing on it the entire time, is like, oh my god, he actually did it. And Jin, who also was like, I don't think this is going to work because of actual science, mm-hmm. just throws his hands up into the air and goes, Hurley! Because it's, like... <laughs> he was so wholesome! He doesn't know a whole lot of English, and so he's just like, Hurley! And it's great! God, this is like, if anybody, if any of your listeners have ever gotten sick of the term toxic masculinity because they feel like it's a, that they're not getting that there's a type of masculinity that is toxic and Mm -hmm. or rather misinterpreting that toxic masculinity is a way of referring to masculinity as toxic. I would like to hold this episode up as an exemplar of what we, Mm -hmm. we've come to refer on the internet to as wholesome masculinity. Yes. It's just it's just dudes being good dudes. It's you know we're fixing up a car and we're having some beers and there's a dog here and we're gonna have a ride. We're gonna- and no one's being gross and no mm-hmm. one's saying gross things and it's just such a good it's like, moment. Where a few people are saying a few gross things, but then they get slapped yeah. right back. You know exactly. You know the power it's- dynamic is leveled. Exactly. Yeah, and like a bunch of male characters who don't fit the um, stereotype of himbo all get to be himbos. It's so true. (gasps) They all get to be himbos. Yes. (laughs) Which who doesn't want to just be a himbo for a while, you know? My dream is like, I know that there's a female bimbo like i know bimbo is female yeah but the con- in my head i'm a himbo yeah the connotation is negative for bimbo yeah. and the connotation is positive for himbo well it's because i think that himbo which like isn't that just how it is <laughs> I-, I think himbo is a descriptor like softens like harder mm-hmm. male traits but whereas bimbo yes. is like punchy and like derogatory yeah but, like that's a very good point but himbo is like hercules in disney's hercules is a himbo Oh my god, yes. My favorite himbo is named Kronk. He is such a himbo. (laughs) He a himbo. Yeah. He he, he a a thick himbo. Yeah, exactly. So true. (laughs) Real himbos include Joe Jonas. (laughs) That's my favorite real life himbo. That's absolutely true. Yeah, Joe Jonas is just one of my favorite real life people and uh, men in general, though. I I also, I referenced this earlier. There's a, during the collage of them driving around in the van with the Mm -hmm. song, like, there's something about the filmmaking style where they're cutting to a lot of sort of shaky cam close-ups where it almost feels very like documentary-like for a second. That's yeah. why I love that quick cutaway to like Vincent, where it's just like, yeah. this is just document, this is just like a home movie of the guys <laughs> going for a ride. Yeah, you know that in, dudes. in reality, there's just like a camera guy sitting in there taking videos of them being happy. Yeah, there's just like, let's just shoot a, let's just drive around, shoot a ton of B-roll and then cut it together in a really fun way. And then exactly. segue gorgeously into a Michael Giacchino arrangement of Shambhala. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, no acting needed. Everyone just be happy to be on this joyride. Yeah, like Jen, give your wife a flower. Yeah. Chicks love flowers. <laughs> Chicks love flowers. Especially sun and especially when they're white flowers. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's your thing. It's, it's, it's thoughtful. So they're going to jumpstart it by doing what, like doing it while it's going down the hill. Jorge in the uh, Lost in Location said that he really struggled having to drive stick because mm. he didn't know how to do that. And they're like, okay, well, you're going to die on those rocks. And Hurley's like, I'll have faith that it works. And Charlie says that he'll ride shotgun. He has this giant leap of faith with Hurley just to tell him that he believes in him, mm. which is wonderful. And he's okay. If this is the way he dies, that he's okay with it because he doesn't want to live like without Hurley. Aww. And so if they die together, then like, that's okay. I love that. Okay, my next question. Are Sawyer and Jin thinking that they're straight up murdering Hurley and Charlie? <laughs> and they're like too drunk to care. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, yes. Like when they push it and they like just push it, they kind of have like a look at each other and then they push it down the hill and they like look back at each other. And I'm like, do y'all think that you just like killed some killed people? <laughs> Can you imagine? Because Sawyer actually thinks that they're going to die. It's one of those moments where he don't think too hard about it. Because <laughs> he's like, ah, it'll work itself out. It's fine. I don't like. I, it's like, yeah, they mu- they must be they must be like, oh, whatever. This this is stupid. They'll probably survive the crash, but you know, it's important to let to let them try. Or I don't know. Mm-hmm. So when they're in there, it's not working. On the Lost on Location, they had a stunt double doing the really big hill. A lot of it was Jorge, but like doing the, the that super big hill like, like in the, the wide. The really the, dangerous. Oh, that yeah. was a stunt double. So Charlie looks over at Hurley and Hurley closes his eyes. I'd be like, what are you doing? If I were Charlie, I'd be like, oh, so this is how I die. I would have pulled Got a it. Shannon from the pilot where she's like, I shouldn't have come to this. Oh my God. That would be me if I was Charlie. Mm. This is something that I saw in Lostpedia that like, I think is very clear, but I did want to mention it. The sequence where Charlie and Hurley nearly hit the rocks in the van is edited in such a way that the van should have hit the rocks multiple times. Right? It's so long. <laughs> in the film, in the biz, we call this use- using editing to expand time. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, Ooh the time. It's expanded. Mm. You can, you may use editing to contract or expand time. Yeah. The use of jump cuts is a very common way to contract time. And slow-mo and mm. close-ups. I like film education with John. Film like education. I have taken 101 level courses in all sorts of aspects of film, so... Well, all right, thank you. Your list, many of your listeners know a lot more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, you make your own luck. There is no curse. And Charlie, it looks like, is like ready to potentially bail out. Like he looks like he's like heading towards the door to bail out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works. And then they play Shambhala and they all like laugh and dance and smile. And Jin throws his arms up and shouts. And they all just have like this lovely joy ride. And Dan in the Lost in Location said, it was nice to show how much fun they have off screen, on screen. Oh. And I was like, excuse me, sir, that is very wholesome and cute. Wholesome bros! (laughs) From the perspective of the characters, though, it must be so crazy to ride in a car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it's been so long since they were in any kind of vehicle that wasn't, you know, a boat. But it's another reminder what uh, what day on the island is this for those of us i can tell you in a second day 76 day 76 it has been 76 days since most of them have been in a car yeah like i i said a couple episodes ago um like when paolo goes down to the pearl and uses the toilet just because he wants to use the toilet it mm-hmm. i bet it's crazy to use a toilet 
Can you imagine indoor plumbing after not having it? Yeah, so like getting in a car, I bet is insane. Well, we all have a weird frame of reference for this now, which what's something that you haven't done for a few months yeah. for more than 76 days that's going to be weird as hell to do because of the pandemic? It's been significantly longer than 76 hmm. days. Uh, sitting in a restaurant. Sitting in a restaurant. I, uh, Movie theater. Oh, movie theater, yeah. Oh, movie theater. I haven't been in a movie. Concert! Mo- Concert! I it, I will have not been in a movie theater for longer than probably any of the Losties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, except for the ones that died, because um, obviously they never get to go by the <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, Boone. Whoops. And then lastly in this uh, scene, I in the Lost on Location, the close-ups of them in the in the car was shot with a crew, Shaking the van and hitting it with branches. Oh, that's that's yeah. It's it's a very funny part if you guys can look at the at the lost in location. It's very funny to see like the setup there. It's really good. Um, and then I think lastly in the storyline, back at the beach, Jin and Charlie meet up with their partners, and Sawyer drinks beer by himself. Hurley sits in the van and smiles to himself before driving off again. Where do you park it? Where does he park it? Oh, he's gonna need it later. But where does he park it? Oh no. Sawyer has so much beer. Um, Jin gives Sun a white flower, which is their thing. Um, and now imagine with me, if you will, if he walked up to Sun, handed her that flower, and said, Those pants don't make you look fat. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been amazing. Oh and she'd god. be like, excuse me. <laughs> and then no, no, I feel like if we wanted to stay on the on like the the equalized power dynamic vibe of what we love about wholesome bros then he would say that and then son would immediately look over at sawyer and be like you what have you done (laughs) she would immediately like clock exactly whose fault that was (laughs) clock exactly what where what happened (laughs) yeah um so charlie goes to chill with claire who's writing in her journal and like Charlie basically just starts like enthusing to Claire about his like adventure of the day. And it's really cute. Mm-hmm. And Sawyer thinks about maybe sharing the beer, but doesn't um, because Kate isn't here. Aww. I assume. He just and... wanted to throw back a cold one with his pal. Yeah, exactly. He can't like go and invite them to like continue to hang out with him because they're like, they're hanging out with their people now. Um, and he just kind of like thinks of Kate, which then transitions to her. That person. moment actually, I, I, I'm thinking about that now makes me understand like, uh, skater shipping a little bit because it's just like <laughs> sometimes you want to ship the two fr- the two that are gonna have a beer together exactly yeah, exactly I people just, who can hang yeah like i just i think they have so much in common jack isn't gonna sit on the porch with a beer yeah he's yeah. way too serious about it he'd be like yes i'm i'm drinking this beer but while i'm doing it i'm thinking about all the things i have to do yeah, mm-hmm. it's like uh kate we need to have a talk let's go out, let's go out on the patio and I'll, we can bring some beers too like yeah. Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like if, be if I'm talking to Jack on the front patio, like, he's, he wants to talk about something. Yeah. Just sit, man. Do a Sudoku. Look, I did something wrong. Do a Sudoku. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then so Hurley just like stayed in the car for a while and like probably is thinking about his dad. Yeah, that's that. That's the that's the island. And now we can move on to the flashbacks. Cue the whoosh sound oh, no. effect to go back to the beginning. Let's go back. Back to the beginning. Before we move on to flashbacks, let's talk about Patreon. Because we have updates. What? We have updates. We do have updates. Um, so pa- Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators, um, including us. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. And we have new perks on our Patreon. Basically, it's a monthly donation and it starts at $1 a month. So $1 gets you early access to all of the podcasts, including this one, which comes out a whole week in advance on our Patreon. And then $2 a month, we now have a 
Discord server in which you can talk about this episode and other AF episodes on that with um, other like-minded people and us because we're we're also going to be in there. $5 or more gets you 10% off at choppylocks.com and $10 or more gets you to our Patreon-only podcast. It's called Okay Love You High and our first episode is already out. By the time this comes out, we're basically we're putting up the first five episodes on our various feeds. So make mm-hmm. sure that you're like subscribed to each one so that you can find it. The one on this feed is going to come out like several weeks in advance, like uh, several weeks after this comes out. But it's going to be about Lost and The Wilds, it's, which is a uh, Amazon Prime show. Oh my God, please watch out, The Wilds. Um, last year. And it was so good. And it was very lost. It was very that. So it was very lost. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was li- it was quite literally Lost meets Lord of the Flies, is what pe- which is what people said about the hundred. Yeah. But then it followed through on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But girls. Yeah, exactly. So it's like just so much better. Anyway, mm-hmm. I recommend it. So many awesome things are happening on our Patreon. Check it out. Um, but if you can't help us on Patreon, uh, just recommend us to a friend. Just do it. Even if that friend is you. Yeah. Even if you're like, hey, I like this podcast, but they have four other podcasts. I should check out one of those other ones. All that is fine. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank y'all. Okay. Flashback. Uh, a young Hurley helps his father fix up an old Camaro. They try to turn it on even though it doesn't have a new part. Hurley thinks it's stupid, but David tells him that it's never stupid to have hope. He's going to Vegas for some work, but they'll take their road trip to the Grand Canyon when he gets back. David gets on his motorcycle and zooms away. Hmm. It's so confusing because like... His actions tell me that he's a bad dad, I mean, but his words tell me he's a good dad. He is a con- well, <clears throat> in, in an unusual move for Lost, uh, David Reyes is a complicated dad. Yeah, no one expects that, huh? Well, it's like, I mean, I'm getting, a, we'll talk about this more, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but is David Reyes Lost's only good dad? No, Jin's dad is the best dad on Lost. Oh no, you're right. Jin's dad yep. is the best dad. Yeah. Jin's dad is not only a good dad, he's like ultimate wholesome dad vibes. Yeah. Yeah. We stand. Yeah. Jin's dad is the best dad for sure. (laughs) Yeah. David Reyes. First of all, I do have to mention that a couple episodes ago, Sawyer called Carl Chong, which uh, implies that Cheech and Chong exist. Exists canonically in the Lost Mm -hmm. Universe. So I'm not sure why Hurley isn't like, why does my dad look so much like Cheech Marin? Hmm. One of the things that I was thinking about, not necessarily in this scene, but in later scenes coming up, when we were rewatching it today, was that Cheech Marin, who is historically a comedy actor, does really well in these dramatic scenes. Yeah, he's a nice actor. Like, he's a good actor. I'm, I've al- I always enjoy a surprise Cheech. Yeah. <laughs> surprise! So we get young Hurley, and he's got like these just these dope vibes. He's fixing this car with his dad, um, and the California license plate on the Camaro shows 429PCE, so... Four is one of the lost numbers. 42 is also a lost number. Oh, true. Go off, King. Uh, Yeah, 429. Yeah. This is our first look at David Reyes, who's played by Cheech Marin. What do you guys think it says that Hurley's dad's name is David, who completely jumped off of the record with him, um, and then his subconscious created this bad character named Dave? It definitely feels intentional. Yeah. The thing is that every time that they name a character David, Damon Lindelof's like, yeah, that's my dad's name, Ah. so... And there's so many Davids. And it's like, but what if? That I'm like, does this David, do these Davids mean something to each other? The fact that, because they're both Hurley-centric characters. Mm. Exactly. So like that feels intentional, but also Damon has been like, I just like 
calling people David. Well, so. I mean, he's all, I mean, Lindelof is also fairly vocal about like how lost is about him processing daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> so like, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like it's, it's, just, it's a small wonder that Christian Shepherd isn't named David. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Instead they named him Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> named him Jesus and Jesus. Ah, ah, yes. Jesus, Jesus. I feel like there's a, I think there's a point in the episode where they're like, his name's Christian Shepherd, and someone's like, really? Well, we'll uh, pin <laughs> oh, yeah. that to the spoiler section because I, I can tell you exactly what episode that's in. Okay, great. I was going to say something else, but I don't remember what it was. About David's? What did we talk about? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I always thought that Dave was someone who died in the accident that really caused. Oh, sure. Interesting. Yeah, right. I like that idea. Yeah, that's compelling. What was I going to say? I remember. Okay. John. Yes. Didn't you once tell me in a DM that you've met? The guy who played Dave. Yes, that's right. I did. Um, I did a short, uh, a pilot episode for a web series uh, called uh, Daughterhood. Evan Handler was a, an actor in that short film, and I was playing a bit part in that as well. What? Can you confirm that he was very nice? Yes. Yes, I can. Good. I love to hear it. Yes. Yes. I love. I love confirming that that Hollywood people are not all disappointing when we find out their real personalities i can confirm yeah. that evan handler and carolyn hennessy are both lovely people that, that is makes good to me hear. very happy yeah he's he's very chill he's got a very like chill vibe hurley tells his dad that he got his tools ready for him so clearly he really loves his dad and really loves working on this car with his dad and really is looking forward to this promise of this road trip that he's been given sure so they're going to check to see if it works, even though they need that other part. And it tries, but it doesn't. They try it, but it doesn't work. Um, and Hurley says it was stupid to try. And then, of course, David says, having hope is never stupid. Because if you believe that good things will happen, then they will. It's, it's stupid. Without a new carburetor, it's not going to work. Having hope is never stupid. you got to believe good things will happen, and then they will. Understand what I'm saying? In this world, son, you got to make your own luck. All right, come on. Well, what do you want to fix today? We're gonna have to put that on hold for a little while because I gotta go to Vegas. You know, I got some work out there. What about the road trip? Well, Grand Canyon will still be there when I get back, little dude. Hurley thinks that he has bad luck, like in the actual timeline. He thinks he has bad luck, but he believes that those bad things will happen. Like he believes in that curse, and mm-hmm. so those bad things do happen. Well. Mm. And that you make your own luck. Yeah, he's manifesting it. Yeah. On um, Lostpedia, it said, David Reyes tells Hurley, you make your own luck. Hurley is told the exact same thing when he seeks the origin of the numbers in Australian from Martha Toomey, which happens in numbers it's Mm. like the first uh hurley episode that we have and she says you make your own luck mr reyes and so now knowing that right after david said that to him in the like final episode of the flashbacks when he's like okay he's like packing for australia Mm -hmm. i wonder if that like is more meaningful to hurley because david it was something that david reyes used to always say to him and then when he goes to see martha toomey she says the exact same thing and that probably is like a 
like a sign for him. Mm-hmm. A sign, but also it maybe because of where Hurley begins his arc on the island, I would say it also maybe predisposes him to dismiss it when he hears it from her. Yeah, right. Sure. Because we're at the point. Oh, right. Because like, I don't believe what my dad says. Yeah, we're at the point in the island timeline where, I mean, the reason that this flashback is part of this episode is we're at the point in the island timeline where Hurley is starting to actually accept that advice from his father. Mm-hmm. Like this car is giving him an opportunity to sort of reflect on the character. The, 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 we'll, we'll get to it as we get through the episode, through the flashback. Mm-hmm. He's starting to actually open his mind to the person his father may have become by the end of that story. Yeah. So Davis says he can't work on things because he needs to go to Vegas for work. Um, but that the Grand Canyon will be there when he gets back. And I'm like, if you're planning on leaving, why do this? That's what I want to know. Why say the why say these things? Why make these promises if you know that you're leaving and not coming back? I, I'm inclined to think that he's maybe not necessarily planning on never coming back. And then he just decides not to after he's gone. I would agree if, but then again, that, uh, but but also the way that Lillian Hurst is looking out the window. Exactly. Uh. Yeah, the fact that that Carmen looks at him like that, like, makes me think that she knows he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, maybe they quite literally split up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just supposed to be implied. Carmen doesn't let him eat chocolate, and he calls him little dude, which is like her least favorite word. Origin alert. And David tells him to live a little. It's not an Apollo bar, though, which seems like a wasted opportunity. Yeah. I feel like the the only reason it's not an Apollo bar is he may, like, in the episode where they first are in the food pantry, I think that he may say textually, like, Apollo bar, I've never seen one of these, or something. Oh. Oh. Or that would make sense. Maybe. I know that, like... Again, you say things with such yeah. authority that I just believe you. But they turn up... But they also turn up in so many other characters' flashbacks that I, I... I I mean, I don't even believe myself when I say that. Yeah, Jack buys one from, like, a vending machine. Right. So. Are you sure that that's not also in the spoiler alert episode? I don't... No, uh... Oh, no, no, that's in... No, that's in a... No, that's in a flashback that takes place in the real world. Yes. I mean, cut that. Cut it. Cut yeah. it. god damn it (laughs) so he gets on his motorcycle bro where's your helmet oh t like i already think that even if you're on a bike for a little bit you still need to be wearing a helmet no matter what but on a motorbike yeah put on your helmet uh it was the 80s sure people on motorcycles didn't wear helmets until laws forced them to that's just a what, fact. What yeah. you should. Not that not that David Reyes is a very good role model anyway. No, 100%. But in front of your son. Yeah. No, but something I distinctly remember growing up is that pe- wearing helmets is lame on motorcycles. So people didn't like to do it. Right. How interesting. Uh-huh. So this is something else that I found on Lostpedia. And I don't know if, like, this is a bit of a stretch. So let me know what you guys think. But Hurley's father's motorcycle seems to be a Yamaha but it's missing letters make it read AMA, A-M-A-H, which is the name of a rock in Hong Kong. Mm. According to legend, the, a faithful wife waited loyally for her fisherman husband, not knowing he had drowned and was turned into a rock by the goddess of the sea. Hmm. That's a very uh, clever uh, props designer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> skirting a uh, copyright issue and also putting in an Easter egg. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that exactly is 
is actually something, but it is interesting. We'll say that that's the art department being, having some fun. Yeah. So Carmen looks out the window and it feels like she knows that he's not coming back. Um, and then she like already has her cross necklace. So classic Carmen has been religious for like ever. Yeah. yeah. She's no uh, Holly come lately. Yeah. After Hurley's lottery win, he bought the Mr. Klux that he used to work at. It's almost the grand reopening. So Trisha Tanaka from Action 8 News is here to interview him. Hurley gives trash answers. Uh, we learn that Randy now works for him, which is great. But Hurley starts talking about how bad his luck has been. Trisha Tanaka gets mad at him for ruining her puff piece. She and her camera guy go inside to shoot B-roll and the restaurant gets hit by a meteorite. You know how it is. Do yeah. you? Uh, question for the hosts. Mm-hmm. Do the two of you have strong opinions about guests who give crap answers? <laughs> <laughs> no comment? <laughs> Especially with like people we're interviewing. Mm. Sometimes that's been difficult. Right. Like yeah. actual celebrity. Yeah. Oh, right, right. I I, I, I have a thought. Uh, speaking of... Uh, of actors of note here, I would just like to take a moment to shout out to give a shout out to Sung Hee Lee uh, sure. for creating some uh, creating an like quote an instantly iconic uh, Trisha Tanaka who simultaneously is like a great cheery newswoman and also deeply relatable, deeply relatable, but also prickly and annoying enough that we're gonna yeah. be okay when she gets hit by a meteor in a few minutes. I'm really sad about the camera guy, though. Yeah. I'm mostly... But that's the thing, is you're mostly sad about the camera guy. He didn't... He didn't get a name. He doesn't get an episode named after him. He, he didn't do anything. Yeah. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, that balancing act of, like, I enjoy this character, but, yeah, maybe she... Maybe it's okay that she's about to get hit by a meteor. Yeah, like, yeah. this fictional character, that's all right. Like, and we all know that, like, news people have, like, a persona that they put on, sure. you know? Yeah, I love that she's like, hey, dude, I'm trying to do my job here. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? Yeah. yeah. Like, was Hurley not told what the questions were going to be ahead of time? Or like, why? Like, in what world does Hurley just like shrug? Come on. Some of those questions are fun. Like, I would, en- I would, like, I would enjoy answering those questions. Yeah. Right? But he's also got a lot on his mind. He's got all that, all that actual misfortune, you know? Like, yeah. I think his grandpa like just died. <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. Well, it was like, oh, yeah, because uh, he died like right after he won the lottery. And I was thinking like, oh, what about Johnny and Starla, which he mentions Mm. Johnny? He like just asked Starla out on a date Mm. and then he hangs out with Johnny and then it's revealed that he won the lottery. So he calls Starla his girlfriend. And I don't know if that's like my girlfriend, as in I asked her out on a date and she said yes, but we didn't ever go on the date. Mm. Or like, or like, how long was he dating Starla before Johnny bounced out? And also, it makes me think that Starla didn't know that Hurley won the lottery, so it has to have happened early because she wouldn't bounce out with Johnny if her boyfriend ha- is a millionaire, hmm. right? Starla, explain. <laughs> yeah, because Grandpa Tito dies right after he wins the lottery. That that's a good point though. That like last time, if this was like right afterwards, then like let's say that like the last time he was interviewed, Grandpa Tito died. So he's interviewed here, and he's now he's really worried that like Randy's gonna drop dead. Yeah, because um, oh, in that interview for with Grandpa Tito, he's he's Mister Personality. Exactly, mm-hmm. he's like so happy because like nothing bad has happened yet. But yeah, that's true. Like all the things that he um, lists, like some of them happen 
later, doesn't it? Let's see. Hmm. Uh, my grandpa died. My house burnt down. Yeah, that happens. That happened a, a bit after he won, like a couple months after he won, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's been a couple months, but he could have not been um, interviewed since. Yeah. And he's like, oh no, Randy's going to die. Not that we care because Randy's a piece of crap in every storyline that he's in. Yep. We've watched, We he was mean to John Locke. Yeah, like super mean. I was I I've been rewatching um season 1 with my friend and uh, we've been watching every week we watch two episodes together and we were rewatching Walkabout and I was like you don't know at the at the time when you're watching it for the first time you just think that Randy's like a huge jerk but then when you rewatch it you're like you're just making fun of somebody for being in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like you're specifically <laughs> targeting a man in a wheelchair because he's in a wheelchair he's right. like you can't do anything because you're in a wheelchair yeah he's terrible <laughs> yeah he like, has this like big smile on for the cameras it's and i'm like, like i know what kind of garbage you are yeah he's like oh you're you're not just a dick you're like ableist and abusive literally exactly <laughs> So she's like, is this your dream come true? And he's like, uh, sure. And before now, she's like, hi, I'm Trisha Tanaka. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I saw the title um, of this episode. Yeah, exactly. I know what that means. Um, she does work for Action 8 News, which is one of the numbers. Um, and her name is a reference to Family Guy. Um, it's a reference to Asian reporter Trisha Takanawa from yeah. uh, from Family Guy. Yeah, that suddenly makes sense. Oh, okay. He says that he bought it because he likes chicken, which is relatable. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Chicken's great. It reminds me of uh, when, in Dave, when um, his psychiatrist was like, name some things that you like about yourself. And he's like, I like chicken. And he's like, well, it has to be about yourself. I like that I like chicken. <laughs> I love that. So Trisha's like, hey dude, um, this is my job. So can you take it seriously, please? Randy used to be his boss, but is now his employee, and that's everyone's fantasy, right? And Hurley's like, I don't know. Nah. I'm like, did no one talk to you before this? Were you not coached? If Carbon was here, she'd be so mad. Speaking of not understanding the assignment. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like, oh, have you had any more good luck? And he's like, no, my grandpa died, my house burnt down, and my friend ran off with my girlfriend. And she's like, dude, you're a huge bummer. This is this is not good. This is supposed to be a feel-good piece. Yeah. Come on. And he goes, sorry, Trisha Tanaka. And he uses her full name because she's from the news. It's, I, lo I, lo I love it's that. so cute. I love that detail so much. Such a good detail. I'm sorry, television's Trisha Tanaka. <laughs> I'm sorry, Action 8 News is Trisha Tanaka. <laughs> I'm sorry, Trisha Tanaka from Action 8 News. I'm, ve I'm very sorry, Star of, Star of Lost, Jorge Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Hello, Hugo Hurley Reyes. Hello, Hugo. <laughs> um, so they're going to go shoot B-roll inside. Um, and Hurley is superstitious about people being inside before the rib ribbon cutting. But Randy tells him to just like chill out. And he goes to get some product out of the van. Um, and Trisha Tanaka says, Ugh, I always get the stupid stories. Mm. She's mean. Yeah. I like her. I <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I like her. I think she, I mean, like, you know, it's, I don't think it's a stupid story. But I, I think that she shouldn't be like, I got. I always get the stupid stories. It's a cool story, but I always get the the people like the interviewees that suck. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair criticism. Yeah, like yeah. come on, somebody give them some notes. <laughs> Once again, no opinions on that. So like this meteor <laughs> meteor hits the shack, chicken shack, of course. Chicken shack. Hurley mentioned this at the beginning of season two, but you never thought you'd actually get to see it. 
which is why it's so exciting. Kind of a banger special effect, too. Yep, exactly. And actually, great segue, um, because on Lostpedia, it said, the scene of the meteorite hitting Mr. Clutch was named by Kevin Blank as the single biggest, most expensive shot the show has ever done. What? It makes sense. That's like a full-blown, like, movie-quality CGI, like... Yeah, for a second, I thought this was made in 2007, because I'm like, it the is, Mandalorian. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> it is 2007. I know. For a second, I forgot that. I was like, oh, why, was that, why was that so expensive? I thought right. you said, oh, duh. I thought it was made in 2007, and I was like, well, then I have good news. I, it, it was, bitch. <laughs> it hits the chicken shack, and it ends... Oh, the scene where the meteorite hits the chicken shack used to be longer, and it ended with raw chicken falling down from the sky on Hugo and Randy. <laughs> Why would you cut that? They were like they already didn't have any time because they had to cut the previously. That's how oh. much time they needed. But like the single like biggest most expensive shot the show has ever done. I love the idea of Damon and Carlton being like, "Yeah, no, do it. Yeah, spend the we, money. We promised this one. This is gonna be it. Yeah, this is the one we're doing. I love that." The amount of money they spent. Yeah, they're like, no, this one's necessary. Is that like a million dollar shot? Yeah, it has to be. Hurley comes home from the explosion covered in dust. He tells Carmen that he killed Trisha Tanaka with his curse and he needs to go to Australia to break it. She slaps him across the face. Turns out his father is back after 17 years, but Hurley is not happy about it. So we get the little number jingle, which is the Hurley song. He gets home to his mansion and tells her what happens. Hurley says that it's cursed, that he's cursed, and now two people are dead and it's his fault. So that's just more people. Because I think like four or eight people died when he was talking about it in Dave, like in that, mm-hmm. um, like when the deck collapsed. So like Hurley just feels like there's a lot of deaths on his conscience, including that one guy who jumped from his accountant's building. Yep. Mm. So she slaps him across the face and you can actually see the dust fly off of him, which I love. <laughs> And he says he has to go to Australia because this is right before Numbers in season one. And he has to prove that he's not cursed. Carmen proves that he's not cursed. David is back after 17 years. <gasps> and the first thing he says is, hey, your mom wasn't kidding about those candy bars. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Which oh, is a very dad boo. thing to say, but I don't like it. No. I did not enjoy the fat shaming. Like, you're the first thing you say to him after 17 years it's, is, hey, you look fat. It's very, it's like... I love my dad. It's not not the kind of thing he would say, but it feels like a very authentically daddy yeah. Yeah. thing to say. <laughs> yeah, like especially like the moment where he like immediately is like, haha, just kidding. Haha, that was a joke. Haha. Like, yeah. Were you kidding though? Haha, mm. I'm a cool guy who's totally chill with being here. Haha. You you you're the one who gave me the candy bars, dude. <laughs> exactly. So first of all, rude. Second of all, you remember the last ever interaction you had with that much clarity? Yep. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Oof. Interesting. Ah. At dinner. Carmen marvels over the solid gold statue of Jesus. She tells <laughs> she tells David about their butlers and Hurley bursts out that it's ridiculous that David should be allowed to just show up and no one's angry. Mm-hmm. Um, he believes he's only here for the money and storms out. And he's right. Yeah. Uh, but did we did we skip over the most important part of that scene, though? The uh, the sleeping arrangements? Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the part that I deliberately just like yeah. skated right on by. Yeah. Um, so first of all, we've got the solid gold Jesus. And David says, that's a hell of a Jesus. I don't think you're allowed to say that. <laughs> I don't see why not. And I don't think you're allowed to say that. And But Carmen doesn't even yell at him because she has needs, you know? Oh, no. Listen, I respect Carmen and her okay. need to get the D. I just don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Or hear it in general because apparently that's Hurley's problem. But I just, I yeah. just think that uh, like the way she covers Jesus's ears yeah. is so precious. And also, that's where the point in which I make the note that like Lily- Lillian Hurst is like a treasure of this show. So She's hysterical. true. Just giving like such a 
a quietly key performance throughout the entire run of Lost. Yeah, you're fully right. She's like a lot of the like kind of side characters from the flashbacks yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, like at last time or like earlier I mentioned like Helen and like Liam. Mm. Whereas like you think about them all the time, but like they're actually not in that many episodes, but they leave such a an impact. Mm-hmm. Baby brother. Baby brother. Baby brother. Like they all have like their thing. It's just like even like it's like baby brother. Ugo. You know? Ugo. Like or even the way that Kate, Katie Seagal is like John. Yeah. It's a leap of faith, John. Mm. She's so good. And like Julie Bowen. Julie Bowen playing mm-hmm. heart and soul at the piano. Yep. Everyone's got it. Um, Like Cassidy, who's a part of Sawyer's stuff and Kate's stuff. Yeah. Kim Dickens. Yeah. Deadwood. Yep. 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 Even a freaking Nathan Fillion was there at one yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even Nathan Fillion. He said, let's just bring all of Alberta in. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Me next. This this show is over, and it ended eleven years ago. It sure did. <laughs> we'll put you on the reboot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Put you on the reboot, but also I don't. I don't no. That that would be a that would be a real uh, conundrum for me if they were like we're gonna put you on TV, but it has to be on a lost reboot. I would have a really hard time deciding. You're valid. That's like a monkey's paw right there. <laughs> exactly. It'd be like so either we don't put you on TV or we do, but it, you but there's a lost reboot. But if mm-hmm. we don't, then there is no lost reboot, and it's up to you. I'd be like, oh, but no. you could. That's too much. That's too much responsibility. Take yeah. it as your charge to make sure it's good. It's good. Yeah, that's true. It's like I took this job because someone else would take it if i turned it down and not right. as good a job and they wouldn't do as good of a job so hurley commissioned this jesus in solid gold because he's such a good son um i think he's just trying to get rid of his money <laughs> yeah you know what hurley if you need to get rid of your money send it on over here yeah. i want a pink imac you know yeah. there's a picture of a tropical beach on the wall in the dining room and why not just, just saying yeah um and hurley's like wow look at this tropical beach i certainly do not want to hang out there for several months <laughs> hope i don't get stuck there one day this is what we call foreshadowing <laughs> the music playing <laughs> during the dinner in the flashback of hurley is the first movement of sonata kv331 by wolfgang amadeus mozart um i love that they're like in this really fancy room with this fancy music playing and the trons are like here is your food. It is a burger and fries and lasagna. I get it. Which is exactly what Hurley, I'm sure, ordered, which yep. I appreciate. The Trons used to work at Bennigan's, and I have some spoiler thoughts about the Trons, if you can believe it. Wow. Um, but also, Hurley calls Mrs. Tron Lady Tron, which is both an electronica band, a song by Roxy Music, and a comic book character. Being a pop culture buff, Hurley might have been thinking of any of these three. Ah. So. <laughs> I really feel like they named them the Trons because just so Hurley could make the Lady Tron joke. I like it. So Hurley's upset that David showed up after 17 years and no one's mad, which is totally fair. Yep. Valid. Apparently Carmen called him and said that he was in trouble. You had his number and you did nothing? Mm. I bet that in itself is such a huge betrayal to him. Is he's just like, you called him? You could have called him the entire time. But you th- I like I bet Hurley thought that he was just like gone and no one knew where he was. In Mama in uh, Mama Reyes's defense, I mean, whether she could reach her husband, whether she could reach him or not if he had left like, you know, him. You know, like yeah. uh, like what is he waiting he waiting for me to call him and tell him to come home? No. Right, I wonder if she was like, "Hi, um Hurley needs help, but also he has lots of money. I know that this will make you come back." But also, yeah, like a reflection of like the the dire situation he was in, like right. And then David, of course, he admits this later, being like, wait, 
they're rich now. Well, of course I'll come help. Yeah. Um, but she said that he wanted him to have a manly influence so that he would stop talking about curses. Mm. Hurley once again says that he's not crazy, which is Hurley's like main thing that he says. Your father asked you a question, Owo. My father? You're acting like he never left us. Like he hasn't been gone for 17 years. And all of a sudden he shows up? Aren't you at least a little suspicious? I showed up because your mom called and said you were in trouble. What? All this numbers and curses. Ooh, I don't know what to do anymore. I thought you needed a manly influence, a father to get you to stop this nonsense. I'm not crazy. And the only reason he's back is because he wants the money. Oh, now that hurts. You know, guess what? There isn't going to be any money. Ah! His dad is only here for the money, and so he gives a whole bunch of severance pay to the Trons so that they don't, like, die, because he's going to try and get rid of everything, starting mm-hmm. with his dad. He's like, anyway, where are you staying? Like, some hotel? Nope. <laughs> I wish! No. He is staying in Carmen's room. In their marital bed. Because Carmen has needs and she covers in Jesus' their marital ear. bed. No! Um, and Hurley just says, ew, goodbye. And he throws a straight up tantrum. If I could make this deep. He regresses into who he was last time he saw his dad. Wow. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Well observed. Um, and he probably remembers all the things that he wanted to say to him for all of those years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turns out that he kept the car. And so like Carmen's like, look, see, this is how you know that you care about your dad. Hurley's like, I care about having a Camaro. <laughs> like if my dad suddenly came back out of the blue after I won a bunch of money, I would just hire a hitman. No. You know, if if you take off, you don't contact me, which is quite literally what I've lived. That means you have no interest in me, who I am, what I've become, like mm-hmm. what my future may be. But you show up when I have money. Like, I think that's why, and that's probably my own personal like experience being imprinted on, but that's why I have a really hard time with this character because I understand like working out daddy issues and that he, you know, eventually becomes redeemable. But to leave for 17 years and not say anything, I'm like, but I've lived that. That's clear that you don't care about me. So whatever you say now, right? but your actions, are, you have 17 years worth of actions that already spoke for you. What I think is in... And what you're saying is super valid and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and I, re- I respect that. What I think is interesting about the way that they're choosing to tell the story here is that they're, that's, they're actually starting the story there. Like, yeah, on a, I think on a sitcom bef- uh, that would come before this or anywhere on a different show, the, the episode might build to finding out that he's full of shit. Okay. Yeah. You know, that he might come back and be like, oh, I came back because I love you. Blah, 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 blah. Like, whereas the the episode gives Hurley the intelligence to clock it immediately. Like, right. no, you're back because of the money. No, you're back. Like, yeah. And I really like that. And I like that he just says, yeah, I am basically. Yeah. And then that the arc of the episode isn't about discovering that, that David is back for the money, but David arcing to admitting it. Yeah. And then reaching a, a point where he's like, I, yes, I admit that I came back about the money. It's a bit of a, she's all that, if you will. It's yeah. like, I never should have made that stupid bet. It originally began as a bet, but it became real along the way. Yeah. You know, so like it, it, we'll talk about the final scene when we get there. But all of which to say, like, I think that the the truth of what you're talking about is all present from the jump. Like it's yeah. our act one of this story. Yeah. And the, I appreciate the that they don't ignore that. <clears throat> exactly. Like I, I love any story that allows its characters to be as intelligent as the audience watching it. Exactly. Um, so starting the episode there is a very smart choice. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, I think, you know, putting trauma aside, it is a beautiful way to sort of go, okay, so he left, but when he is here, he he is trying to help. Yeah. And it, it, it he proves he's not there for the money because like, he says just give it away. He it, it's it's ultimately the only way that the that the the show can earn good faith for mm-hmm. for David Reyes in the end is by putting is by making Hurley smart enough to clock him from the beginning and giving him that and giving him that arc towards admitting responsibility. Yeah. Like that I I think that that is it's very smart writing. Yeah. And also I casting guess. Cheech Marin an eminently likable on-screen person right that's true and that that's definitely part of it is like how likable is this person yeah that's sort of the beauty of like i wouldn't say the manipulation but it's sort of like you can't help but have some affection because this actor is just so good yeah and and cheech marin is good enough to be to to have the 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 fake charm the the schmoozy charm and the earnestness at the end yeah exactly yeah yeah so in the morning david wakes hurley up he had headphones on so he couldn't hear his parents boinking in the other room (laughs) david's gonna take hurley somewhere and if he doesn't feel better he can go to australia uh so first of all hurley has these cheetah print sheets (laughs) that's a choice your mother is a very passionate woman (laughs) oh my god i hear yeah he literally had to wear headphones so they couldn't hear it do they not respect him enough to like get a hotel or like get him a hotel room or something like that. Like, it's just like, it seems so uh, inconsiderate. Yeah. I'm just going to say knowing how much it bothers him. How's that? How's that big? How's that expensive? Should have much, should have soundproof walls. Right. Yeah. True. Exactly. Like, what the heck? If it's big enough, why can you hear them at all? Because she's very loud, apparently. Oh. Um, so he's like, okay, come with me. And if this doesn't work, you can go to Australia. And, on Lostpedia, it pointed out that Hurley told his father, I'm not going anywhere with you. And Walt said those exact words to Michael when Michael came back into Ooh. his life. Oh. Motifs. Would love to just move past this scene. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Your mother so, is a very passionate. So anyway, uh, Hurley and David visit Lynn Karnoff. It's unclear if she's an actual psychic or if she was just an actor that David Reyes paid to do this. Anyway, she does a tarot reading for Hurley and gets everything about him correct. She believes in the curse and is going to dispel it off of him. Hurley catches on and thinks that she was put up to this. After offering her $10,000, she totally caves and Hurley storms out. This is classic bit. You know why? You know why I would have caught on? She just had that tub ready. Yeah, exactly. She you know? just like had it ready. That's, I think that that's, and I, I think that, again, smart writing. I think that that's what the episode implies. It's like, as soon as she pulls it ready and she starts mixing the ingredients, like mm-hmm. Hurley's like, wait a minute. And Hurley kind of believes it for a second there until then. And yeah. also, I, I wrote this down in my notes that, uh, that David is like kind of putting on a good show with the, yeah. with, what? where he's just like, what? Oh wow! Oh, she didn't, yeah. couldn't have gotten that from the news. Ooh, like, and you know all uh, yeah. those little cuts to him, like darting his eyes around. It's like, yeah, like uh, David Reyes, good little actor. Yeah, I'm inclined to think that um, she is an actual psychic, yeah. but was bribed because this, yeah. this, she clearly has all of the stuff, and she has like the say, she has like place. everything set up that you can't get paid that yeah. much. And she's ready to turn down one one uh, k too. Like that's, some, exactly. that's a little bit of dedication to your craft. Yeah, and also like, how much did David pay her? Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe he didn't. Maybe he paid her one k, and so it's like. But but I want. Does Man, she get, that was a tidy day for her. Also, <laughs> does she have to give the money back since it didn't work? I doubt it. I I also do. I also I, I just love a good clean. I just love a good classic gag. Just like. You know, I'll give you a thousand dollars to say this is bullshit. The mystic arts are not to be trifled with. Ten thousand. Yeah. It's all he put me up to it. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You you win. Yeah, it's just great gag. My dad put you up to this. 
What? Hugo, please. I'll give you a thousand dollars right now if you admit that my dad told you to say this stuff. The mystic arts are not subject to bribes. How dare you? Ten thousand. Your dad put me up to it. So the psychic is going to break his curse for him. Then, so she, he cuts the, the tarot deck. Um, and she says he's recently come into money, which he could have learned on the news. Yep. But you found misfortune, and they're like, "Ooh, that's not on the news." I'm like, "I think Grandpa Tito died on live television." Oh my god. <laughs> but okay. And I'm like, okay, well, fine. If you don't think it, you could see it on television, then you told her that. Like, David Reyes told her that he came into misfortune. Um, and also about the numbers, because I think Carmen would know them. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's darkness around the numbers, and then he gets the death card. It surrounds you and more is coming. It's not actually what the death card means. Yeah, um, doesn't that mean, like, it, it doesn't mean, actually mean death. No, it means, like, a rebirth or, like, a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, a death of something, not necessarily you. Sure, I've heard that. And then, like, a new beginning, yeah. So, on Lostpedia, they pointed out the particular deck that she was using. Um, it is the Medieval Scapini Tarot, um, of which both the Six of Swords, the Tower, and Death are briefly shown. Hmm. This character's name is Lynn Karnoff, and I, I, it doesn't say this on Lostpedia, but my my impression is that this is potentially a reference to Elizabeth Sarnoff, who yeah. is another writer on the show. So Liz say. Sarnoff and Lynn Karnoff. I was just gonna say that sounds like a writer name. Like, yeah, it's a very. It sounds like a a, a slight like uh, fortune tellerification of Liz of Liz Sarnoff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Lynn I think Karnoff. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if um like her name is actually never said in the actual episode, but she's like credited as that. Yeah. Name. That that that's total writer Easter egg. Oh, then yeah, that's definitely homage yeah so she's like there is a curse but it can be removed so get naked and she starts making the potion and hurley's like i'm already out yeah shouldn't have had that happen (laughs) dad put her up to this a thousand dollars to say that he told you i would never take a bribe ten thousand dollars here's the thing about this (laughs) I i would do it in my opinion even if she wasn't put up to it I would say just about anything for $10,000. I would say just about anything for $1,000. So you're not really getting that much good information by by offering her that much money. Because even if I was a real psychic, I would do anything for $10,000. Mm. I, I, I say what makes the, the key to making the bit believable and work is the is is turning down, is the firm denial of the $1,000. Yep. Yeah. The, immediate reversal like it's the comedy in comedy there is truth i think like exactly so like the the uh what's what's the word i'm looking for the um the suspension of disbelief comes from the comedic structure of it yeah i agree and um then david ray is saying i was just trying to help right which is an admission but even if she had been like it well yes he did and he hadn't and he'd been like what no i didn't hurley still wouldn't believe it yeah easy um, way to get ten thousand dollars he said he was trying to help and hurley's like who were you trying to help and it's like he's trying to help you but like i don't know if, if they genuinely don't believe in this curse which like no one but hurley does other than like him and Rousseau, mm-hmm. then like i see that he is actually trying to help just like not in a very healthy way he's but maybe trying it's to like, help in a way that he thinks will better hurley's mental health yeah it's the only thing he can think of yeah yeah we'll come back to the curse and spoilers yeah. So this is the last scene in the um, flashbacks. Um, Hurley packs for Australia. David comes in and confesses that he's only back, that he is only back for the money. He tells him to give it all away if he's so scared of it. He's hoping for a fresh start with Hurley and he'll still be there when he gets back from Australia. He's like, wow, it sure is a long way to go for like some numbers. And Hurley's just like, can you go? Mm. Can you leave? I don't, I'm done talking to you. No one understands the mystical nature of these weird ass numbers. Exactly. (laughs) He's like, okay, you're right. I am back because of the money. And he's like, okay, well, you can't have any. And he's like, okay. Okay, Um, well, going to Australia isn't going to break your curse. You don't know. And Hurley's like, oh, maybe. You know what I think you should do? What? 
I think you should give away the money. All of it. Every penny. Save enough for a new carburetor. Work on the Camaro. You know, just you and me. Take it off the blocks and make that road trip to the Grand Canyon. Never too late for a fresh start. And then after this, Hurley dies in a plane crash. Yeah. Yeah. Like to David and Carmen, Hurley left and died in that plane crash. <gasps> I never thought about that. Yeah. Poor Carmen. Aww. So that's like really sad. Um, thoughts for uh, spoiler thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. It's never too late for a fresh start. And Kate had the same sentiment. And Locke has also said the same thing, like especially on the island where like you get to start over here. But Hurley is still going to go. And David says that he'll still be there when he gets back. Um, which once again, spoiler thoughts. Yeah. Yes. So that's the episode. Is there anything else we want to talk about before we move on to segments and then spoilers? No. Okay, great. Cool. So then we are going to do segments. Um, so the first segment is our best line award. We have so many best line awards. Yeah. Like th this, this episode was just filled with best line awards. So there's going to be a whole bunch this episode. Is this maybe the most quotable episode of Lost? It could Possibly, be. yes. Uh, so my first uh, Best Line Award goes to Sawyer and Hurley for... What's your problem, Jumbotron? Shut up, Red Nick man. Touche. And then my second one, my honorable mention, also goes to Sawyer and Hurley for... Son of a... What's the head doing back here? Oh, that's just Roger. <laughs> and and that's and, just Roger. And please, and I'm going to include that that moment where her, Sawyer like looks back up at Hurley like, huh? You're like, that explains nothing. Yeah. Who's Roger? Yeah. And mine goes to Hurley for. Let's look death in the face and say whatever, man. Let's make our own luck. I get it. Yeah. And then my other one goes to Hurley and Jin for. Crafty. Crafty. Yeah, crafty. It's like when you're good at crafts. Never mind. Because I'm a crafty bitch. She's like, that was made just <laughs> for me. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It means you're good at arts and crafts. Yeah. What about you, John? Uh, my my line of the episode isn't even one of the quips. It's um, Hurley simply stating, Why do we need to start a car? Because it'll be fun. Because that's the <laughs> thesis statement of the entire episode. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, just boldly declaring, what if we had a standalone caper this week? Yeah. And then my my runner up is Carmen Reyes gently covering Jesus's ears and going, yeah. I have needs, Ugo. I have needs. No, no, no! This can't be happening. He has to go. He has to. I want him gone. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's the gentle covering of the ears. Like, I want to include Hurley going, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Cat on YouTube. The no, yes. no, 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 no. That's I haven't heard that meme in years. Yeah. Um. Our next segment is man of science, man of faith, and the person that we're talking about this episode is Hurley. I don't think this is going to take a whole lot of conversation. Um. Hurley is super man of faith. This yeah. Episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's about it's about faith. That's yeah. his whole thing. Yeah. It's like I don't even have anything to say about that. Yeah. Like he's just. Like, I suppose the men of science of this episode are Jin and. And Sawyer and uh, Jen and Sawyer suggesting that the engine, this engine does not work, and therefore this car will not move, which is engineering science. 
And also David Reyes, who, even though like Carmen is like a huge person of faith, is like trying to science Mm -hmm. her way out of like Hurley's curse. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's very logic driven. Whereas David's, uh, you make your own luck and it's never stupid to have hope or very faithful mantras for this episode. Yeah. Next segment is Hurley's Walkman. Um, We're going to talk about Shambhala by Three Dog Night. Um, It's at the beginning of the episode and the end of the episode. Um, It was released around 1973 and the lyrics say that everyone is lucky, everyone is so kind on the road to Shambhala. So um, there's there's your luck Mm. there. Um, And also Shambhala Buddhism represents for Buddhists the pure land and, and is believed to be a society in which all inhabitants are enlightened. So that makes sense that they would be on the road to that. All right. Spoiler thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode. Yes, they did it this episode twice. They did. In the same scene. Trisha Tanaka's dead. What? It's lottery money. The numbers. I'm cursed. And now Trisha Tanaka's dead and her camera dude. And it's all my fault. Ow! How many episodes since the last knockout? No one was knocked out this episode. Wow. Even though Roger's head was knocked off. Mm. So it's been three episodes since the last knockout. We're on a good stretch right now. Yeah. Look at that. What's the, what's next week's episode? Next week's episode is Enter 7-7. Oh, yeah, that streak's about to end. Yeah. <laughs> Enter 7-7 is actually the midpoint in the whole show. Oh, wow. So as soon as we're finished Enter 7-7, that's half, bro. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, Enter 7-7 is the midpoint. That's, That's shocking. And it's a very midpointy episode for the story, too. It sure is. And it's like right in the middle of the of the season as well. So it's like the perfect spot to like stop and then do our mid-season roundtable. <laughs> That's shocking. Also, spoiler alert for those who are about to watch that episode. It's it has no shortage of knockouts in it. Like yeah. <laughs> in both the flashback and in the present. <laughs> exactly. Our last segment is does this episode pass the Bechtel test? And we're going to say yes because of that one last uh, conversation between Kate and Russo. So they really just squeaked by on this one. Yeah, I'll I'll give it one. It also, like I said, it it squeaks by because Alex is a girl. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I'll allow it. Two women talking about a third woman. Yes. That that counts. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We will be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, thank you also to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. <laughs> our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neeps. And thank you to... Um, the lovely Sam for um, sitting quietly in her room. We just appreciate her so much in so many ways. Well, she put a cat in a harness and had him walk around the deck on a leash. So I think she had a good time. I think she had a good time. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're so inclined, please re- write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, maybe, please. Yeah, or like wherever you listen or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We did um, seasons four to seven as they were airing. And now we're going back to do um, starting with season three and then moving backwards because we wanted to finish with season one. Um, and we're going back to do the seasons that we actually liked um, as a form of catharsis because the last two seasons uh, were very bad and it made everybody <laughs> sad. So that's what we're doing, basically. Uh, spoiler alert, I am not there. Yeah, Brittany's not there because she's that mad I'm a about it. Bitter little person. Totally fair. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that hot mess too. Mm-hmm. It's currently on hiatus, but I guess when this comes out, it 
won't. No, it'll still be on hiatus. That's insane. It's we on have hiatus covered until July. Literally every episode that has aired, we have covered. You should join us because it's fun. You don't have to watch the show. You just can listen to the podcast. People have done it, and apparently it's fun. Yeah, I spent a lot of time dunking on it, but in a wholesome way. Yeah. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show, too. We did all of season one, all of season two, and we are taking all of 2021 to do season three in preparation for a season four that will come eventually. At some point. Well, they're still shooting it, so. Yeah. If you're a fan of Star Trek Picard, we like to talk about that show, too. We covered all of season one, and season two is shooting right now. Woohoo! Woohoo! You can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, but I do post gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. Um, I'm going to be posting a lot of gifts from this episode I'm eventually. Excited. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because yikes, it is expensive. Um, we would really appreciate your help. But if you can't, um, just recommend us to a friend. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, we can make that work. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end, but I don't recommend it. I'm annoying. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Please follow me. I'm almost at 900 followers. <laughs> two very different energies here. I've ah. been I've been fluctuating at 900 followers for like two weeks. Can somebody just put me over the edge, please? Please. Please. I can push you. Thanks. Thank you, John, for joining us. Thank you so much. I love talking about Lost and anything, really. Yeah. (laughs) And where can they follow you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at my handle, at John DeLaPorta, just my name, exactly how it's spelled in the show notes. Heck yeah. Um, Next episode, like we said, is episode 311. It is Enter 77. And our guest for that one is going to be the iconic Scott, who is at Hey Zamboni Guy. He's our BC bud. That will be great. Yeah. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Okay, welcome to the spoilers section. There is so much to talk about. To Thank you. Roger Linus, Roger Linus, Roger Linus, <laughs> Roger Linus. <laughs> It was a, it was fitting that that had got knocked off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, what a terrible man! Like speaking of terrible dads, perhaps lost. As we talk about lost, uh, few and far between good dads. Uh, let's let's pour one out literally because it's a beer at drinking episode for uh, yeah. for lost all time worst dad. Fully, I don't know, you guys. Anthony Cooper. <gasps> oh right, yeah. Oh fuck. God damn it! I always forget about Anthony. He threw his yeah. son out a window. It's and he, stole his kidney. He stole his kidney. He's related to Locke because he's yeah. so evil, and they're both the same age. Yeah. I mean, do we? I mean, then sure. Like maybe cosmically, Jacob is the worst dad, but like you. But that's like in the very Damon Lindelofy, the ultimate bad dad is God, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jesus, Jesus himself. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. So one of the things that uh, was pointed out on Lostpedia was that um, Trisha Tanaka is one of three non-main characters to have their name in an episode title. Um, the others are Dave and Ji-Yun Kwan. That's why I had to put it in the spoiler oh. section because we don't need, we know that Ji-Yun exists, but we don't know much about her or and or what her name is or anything. Exactly. Right now. It is a Korean name. Exactly. Exactly. So you, can, you can infer some things. Looks yep. both ways. <laughs> Although I have to say, Ji-Yun, banger episode. Such a good episode. Is I it? Love that one. Yeah, it's very, I enjoy Ji-Yun. I'm not going to get to, I'm the, 
for for those of you enjoying my contribution, I'm not going to be able to uh, on, be on a, a season four episode because I was slow to ask for one. But uh, yeah, G owns a banger episode. Uh, I think that it. I do believe that it fundamentally plays fair, and that the uh, bifurcated uh, flashback, flash forward yeah. is uh, has a story purpose as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's really cool, but and like such a huge shock at the end of the episode. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely also like still a reason. Yeah, there's like a purpose to why we're seeing that episode of Jen's life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Besides just to trick us. Yeah, yeah. If you don't remember. Okay. Uh, basically what happens in Ji-Yun is that um, we get Sun giving birth to Ji-Yun in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But hers is a flash forward and we assume that Jin is there because she keeps asking for him. Right. But then it turns out that Jin's flash forward has been a flashback this whole time and he yeah. only just got married. Right. Okay, I'm going to go through my um, my spoilers. I'm going to start with the spoilers for the flashbacks. The Trons. They are rehired because you see them in season four uh, at Hurley's birthday party. Oh, so they rehired the Trons. Good. After Hurley left. I'm actually kind of, I enjoy that for those actors. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to see them again. And then also, uh, David fixes the car while Hurley's gone. It's like a memorial to Hurley. Um, That's cool. Uh, yeah. Wholesome dad. See, they, like, see, that's not to get too ahead of myself with the spoil with in the episode. Like, but like, this is really the beginning of a lovely arc for David. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. He like it, it had to begin with him admitting he was trash, mm-hmm. and then from there he could actually Learning. become a, a like seeing him seeing him and Carmen greeting Hurley in the season four finale when the plane lands. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, it's so nice. Like, oh, I love, I love the season four finale for so many different reasons, mm-hmm. and like that reuniting. Like, oh, they just do it. Jakino is like, hey, get rid of all the noise for this one. Yeah, I got this, man. He gives you the Oceanic Six theme, which may be the best piece of Lost music. Literally, he gives you uh, Hurley's mom and dad. He gives you Nadia. Mm-hmm. He gives you wait is not no, or is Nadia later? I forget. But, Nadia's later after the uh, press conference. That's right, and uh, that's the thing is that her uh, Saeed and Kate are all by themselves, and Hurley like brings Saeed over to meet his parents. Gives you yeah, the, which is another love beautiful moment. <laughs> I love that. It's like Saeed doesn't have people, so here you're part of my family now. Yeah, Jack's mom, who we hadn't seen since season one. Mm-hmm. Like uh, so good. Yeah, it, it, but uh, but yeah, and then David eventually becomes the only person to believe Hugo when he explains the whole story of the island mm-hmm. and encourages and like him. helps him helps him uh, hide Saeed and stuff <laughs> in season five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and and I like you know at the end of the flashbacks he says like okay well I'll still be here when you get back and, and what he, he means is when you get back from Australia in like a week or two. Sure. But in reality, like after Hurley's been gone for like months and months, he was still there. He comes back and he is there. He's yep. still there and. Yeah. He sticks around even when he thinks his son is dead. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, do they inherit all of his money? Probably. I mean, sure. But I mean, there's nothing, nothing that happens after that point indicates that it was, he stayed in bad faith. Yeah. Um, so lastly, for the flashbacks, uh, Lynn Karnoff is in the flash sideways. Um, she was only ever in this one episode and then they brought her back for the flash sideways. Um, and she worked at the OC staffing service, uh, at the temp agency that Hurley owns. And she was doing a job interview with John Locke and was asking questions that made no sense to him, such as what kind of animal would you consider yourself? No. Fed up with her approach, John demanded to see her supervisor. Lynn complied and brought Rose to speak with him. Wow. 
Wow. So that's pretty cool that they were like, hey, this one-off character, you're coming back. Let's go. That's, that's wholesome. Flash sideways. It's 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 a fun place. Mm-hmm. It is a fun place. Also, have I shared with you, did I talk about this last time I was on the show, that the the, the fun subtext of the Flash sideways is that, that Bernard and Rose are completely woke the entire time right i I don't know if you did i don't think i did that like there is something about rose and bernard's energy in the flash sideways that that they they didn't that they don't have to be woken up they're just waiting for the rest of their they're waiting for the rest of the group right and they just show up at the church like no one comes to get them like they show up at the church but if you especially if you watch the bernard scene where i think he is i forget who he's i think he's it's bet with ben or... No, it's Jack because he's trying to learn about Locke's dad. Yes, that's right. When he's when when that scene with Bernard and Jack, and he's like, he has this look on his face that's like, "Keep going, Jack. You're almost there." Yeah, keep going. You're gonna figure it out, bud. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, sure. I mean, it's it feels like okay. So Bernard and Rose get to be like the the awakened presences just like on the island they're just like chilling right and i love i love that like desmond's the one in the flash sideways who's like actively trying to wake people up and get Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and rose and bernard are just like kind of passively waiting which is always kind of what they were which i love right because um you know even when bernard decides like to make that sos sign and decides to be proactive rose takes him down and says okay like we're just gonna we're just hanging out here and that that continues on with the flash sideways yep yeah they just try and like stay out of it just like they do in like the season five finale when we finally see them again that they have nothing the reason that they don't have to wake up in the flash sideways is because by the time they died they weren't they they had already let go right they were already happy yeah they decide they 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 probably passed away at some undetermined future day quite happy and quite unburdened yeah i agree that's wholesome. Mm. Um, okay, that's all that I had for the for the flashback um, spoilers. If you wanted to add anything else, no, we talked about David's arc. That's mm-hmm. that's the big one. The sequel to Noah's arc. Yeah, <laughs> stupid. I also don't have anything to add to the B storyline, just because, um, like, pretty much everything that happens happens throughout the rest of the season. Uh, we'll, we'll t- I have one note about the B storyline. Sure. They can leave the island. Yeah, they can. John doesn't like it when 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 doesn't like that they get to cheat. Yeah, exactly. And so he blows it up. Well, he blows I mean, up the way they can. And I, I it never occurs to him to use it. It's yeah. so, but it's Here's so quintessentially Locke and Terry O'Quinn is putting that in the read already. Like when he Mm -hmm. hears that they can leave the Island, it's not that he's like, we can, we can be rescued. It's I'm offended that I'm like out here speaking to the Island and communing with nature and y'all can just like come and go. That's not how this place works. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, It reminds me of last episode when Carl was like, we take away the people and we give them a better life. And Kate's like, better than what? And he's like, better than yours. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, (laughs) you're the one creating the bad life in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of retcon action happening. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So for the main storyline, my first thing was i wonder if hurley forgot about the fact that like charlie was supposed to die and desmond knows because it feels like he can't know or we don't get that moment where he tells hurley to go back in greatest hits like in greatest hits when he says no hurley go back you can't come because you're too big or whatever yeah and hurley's like okay whatever i don't even want to go anyway um and like charlie's going off with desmond like hurley don't you remember what's going on here well, I think that this episode kind of, the thing that Hurley doesn't know is 
Desmond coming up to Charlie and saying, this time you have to die. Yeah. Like, I, I think the, the thing that Hurley doesn't know is that this time Desmond and Charlie aren't going off to avert, avert something. They're going to fulfill it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. And, you know, there's an argument that could be... Well, Hurley goes on the hiking trip, too, and I, I don't remember if he's, like, yeah, he actually does. privy to the uh, argument that Charlie and yeah. Desmond have. I don't remember. So, because there's every possibility that they... That to, to Hurley, it could be a done deal as as of this this episode yeah which that's true to be fair my first time watching the series i'm like hey i guess charlie's not gonna die yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> my next note was about vincent so vincent brings like this rotting arm with the car keys in the missing pieces uh we get the re- revelation that christian shepherd who ends up being the man in black right um, is the one who like tells Vincent to go over to Jack um, at in the pilot, like right, 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 right before the show even starts. Yes, yes, I remember that. And so there's multiple times in which Vincent just like shows up and like takes people places. So it feels like Vincent is this sort of like it's weird because like most of the things that Vincent does is like to um, to help Jacob, but we see Christian Shepherd in that Mobisode, which implies that he also helps man in black so i'm not sure because this time i think it's jacob Mm -hmm. and then i think that you know when vincent shows up to charlie with virgin mary and charlie just looks up and goes are you kidding right Mm -hmm. i feel like that's also jacob being like you need to take this and embrace it and get rid of it like you need to do it it reminds me of in the moth when uh charlie asks for his drugs back and then throws them in the fire like it has to be you so is that actually Vincent though, or is that Jacob the whole time just like manifesting? <laughs> is Jacob turning into Vincent? Like I think Jacob's like, um, asking Vincent to do stuff. Hold on, guys. Is Vincent the new Richard? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. An immortal dog? That's a great concept. I know. Like that's that's one of the things that like people watch Lost for the first time. They watch like literally the first shot and they're like, wait, 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 does the dog die? And you get to be like, no. No. No, he doesn't. Never. The dog, in fact, like, I remember when Lindelof and Q's, I remember the podcast where they came on and said, we will, uh, we were, we would like to deliver the very first series endgame spoiler for Lost. Vincent will survive the series. Yeah. yeah. And thank God. Yeah. Imagine like, if they tried to pull that. Oh, no. Uh-uh. You, you can't kill... No, not this show. This show is too... No. This show is too spiritual and too about, like, f***ing, like, eterni- eternality of life and sh- Like, that you can't... Exactly. This isn't a, a the dog needs to die show. Right. No, you're totally right. Um, I fully agree. There are stories in which the dog must die. Yeah. I mean, stories like John Wick that precipitate all of the subsequent events. Oh, yeah. a, a show, a, a movie about how mad people get when you kill their dog. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I remember, like, I, I feel like Damon was like, okay, now that I haven't killed this dog, I remember watching the first episode of The Leftovers um, and being like, oh, no. Oh, shit, that's right. Damon immediately kills the dog. What the hell? I know, I was like, Damon, I trusted you. No. He's like, I'm edgier now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this This show is- He's like, but, this is HBO. This is bleaker now. This is, yeah. a, this is a sad show about- This isn't Disney. Actually, this is a show where dog die dogs die is very is is a pretty good log line for the leftovers. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you guys watch the whole series? No, I did. I just keep thinking about my favorite line from the leftovers is is uh, Matt after the line after the lion mauls the guy that he thinks is God, mm-hmm. and him going like, "That's the guy I was telling you about." 
Yeah. Never mind. Just that, like, Damon Lindelof just, like, kills God in yeah. season three of The Leftovers. Damon Lindelof is like, if I kill enough fictional one, I can become him. Yeah, he kills Jacob, too. Like, exactly. he's like, yeah, all the gods are dead. Does Lindelof kill... Actually, he kind of does kill God on all three of his shows. Yeah. Exactly. He's, but God, he literally kills God on all three. He kills Jacob. <laughs> he kills the random homeless man on The Leftovers. Who And uh, Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Spoilers for there The Watchmen, is. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, this is the spoiler section, so. Yeah, it's spoilers for every Lindelof show. Just consider it a spoiler for everything. Yeah. My next note was about Roger's arm, which reminds me of Montan's arm, which uh, Russo mentions got ripped off in season one, Mm -hmm. um, at the end of season one, I think. And then when Jin meets um, Russo and her team, um, and he like helps rip off Montan's arm, and then they get flashed in into the future, and he's just sitting beside a rotting arm. Ew. It feels like these are parallels, these rotting arms. Uh, Jin can't escape rotting arms. Um, okay, next next question. How did the van get on its side? Just like various island things Jungle that have crap. happened in the past like 10 years? Suppose- Maybe the, the, the monster? Sure. I suppose that yeah. either erosion or Ben like put a... Like- yeah, Ben like came over and was like, just like put a bunch of brush over top of it and was like, I hope everyone forgets about you. Or, like they were like either that or Ben kicked it down the hill after he killed his dad. Right. Like- Can't blame him. Yeah, because it's like in the Mesa, like it's in that valley when uh, it happens in um, in Man Behind the Curtain. So mm-hmm. he must have like pushed it into some brush. On Lostpedia, it said... Ben made the choice to kill his father, including leaving the body in the van in the jungle, even though he was specifically asked if he wanted to have the body retrieved. The direct result of his decision, though many years later, likely doomed his plan of preventing the survivors from contacting potential rescuers. Look at that. Because Hurley uses the van to uh, to kill a bunch of the others, mm. including Price, I think. Price is the one who he runs over, I think. Um these so like happen. years, over 10 years later, Ben mm. deciding to callously leave his father's body out there, which I don't blame him for because he was abusive and terrible. Yeah, I do suppose part that of his downfall. this is a good part uh, point to mention our spoiler about the beer, expir- the beer cans, which oh, yeah. Yeah, those are 90s beers. So 90s beers. Yeah. Yeah. So they absolutely makes perfect sense that they'd be there. Yeah. So that is the correct type of uh, correct type of can for a for beer from the 90s and by the i'm pretty sure that they knew that they knew who roger workman was going to be by the time they wrote this episode absolutely you think i guarantee it yeah okay. um it's really it's not that far away i think that the yeah because that's only in a few episodes from here and i think the latter half yeah here let me count like ooh, you, listeners if you're i mean if you're in this section you've already watched the show but god this yeah. is the beginning of a good run of episodes yeah for sure like okay enter seven seven one two three four five six Oh, wait, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's only, it's ten episodes away, but it's in the same season. You know, I mean, the back, the back half of season three, which might be like top, the, the top ranking part of Lost. Yeah. Very good. Absolutely. God, it's just like. Greatest hits. Oh, fuck. And then Through the Looking Glass, like. It's such a good finale. (laughs) So good. And then Man Behind the Curtain, Catch-22, The Brig, Expose. Man oh, from Tallahassee. Man. Yeah, I mean, Catch-22 is, like, the only, like, okay one in there. Yeah. Like, I mean... Could... I just love, um... Yeah, like, I don't really care for the flashbacks in Catch-22. It's just like, oh, we don't need it. We don't need the origin story for brother, you know? Yeah, but I really love the island stuff on in Catch-22. And it does have the good... That great scene with Penny at the end of the flashback. Mm-hmm. Aw, Penny. It has the meat cute. Yeah. Yeah. My next note was that Sawyer hugs Nikki... 
in the montage. And then in expose, Sawyer says he doesn't know who Nikki is. It tracks. Well, you know when a random pretty girl hugs you, you gotta hug back. Yeah. He's like, sure. They hug, they hug a bunch of the NPCs. Like, they... Yeah. yeah. Roger was an alcoholic, which is why he has all those beers. But it does say that it does have the swan logo on his on his chest, which doesn't really make sense. I believe that they say in Man Behind the Curtain that they are making a beer run to the... They're making a beer run to the swan. Okay. Yeah, manufacturers actually used these ring pulls since at least 1990, so Dharma could well have used them during the 1992 purge. There you go. Hurley says, stop, that guy had a family. Yeah, Ben (laughs) is his son. And I really feel like even if you don't know, no, you can tell that this whole episode, all of this stuff about Roger is going to come back because you know what show you're watching. Yeah. If you put a a mysterious dead body in a mysterious van in the jungle of mystery, like... Definitely. Of course. It's going to come back. And also, um, the whole workman thing is like the best joke to then come back in season five when Sawyer specifically signs Jack up as a workman. Yeah. He's such an ass. Oh my God. It's such a good troll. Yeah. Especially when Jack is like so deeply overqualified. (laughs) But also, God, I I mentioned earlier in the intro, season five is just... I just think it's like chef's kiss, man. Oh, for it's sure. It's so good. It is. That's when it finally leans full, full sci-fi. Yeah, it's like, you know what? We are what we are. It's full sci-fi, but it also, it's, I, I think that it's like the full Lindelof meta, meta text thing, like where the season is basically about the immutability of characters mm-hmm. and like what makes characters characters. And it's like the whole tension of, can you change the past? Does whatever happened happen? And then the utter inevitability of everyone's behavior leading to everything that happens canonically. Yeah. Like, uh, like, oh, oh, it, it reminds that actually reminds me of something from the B story that I forgot to mention. Okay. That is sort of a spoiler because it is about Kate's arc. That mm-hmm. you know, Kate. I mentioned last time I was on was a Kate episode, and we talked about like every yeah. the, the principles having these core qualities. Jack fixes things. Sawyer is a survivor. John Locke, the leaves, Kate runs. Mm -hmm. But those qualities are very, those, those qualities permutate over the course of the series and that, that Kate, it all does always run, but Kate always comes back. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the, the, I mean, season five hinges on the fact that Kate returns. Like Kate is like, I, 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 I run, but I will go back for Claire. Right, exactly. I will go back, and she's going back for Jack here at the series' midpoint, right when you'd want to introduce that kind of thing. Yeah. Kate, yeah, Kate always comes back, and Kate cares about kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Kate's loyal. Cares about taking care of kids, you know, taking care of, like, I took care of you, Mom. Like Right, exactly. And then she, like, takes care of Ben to take him to the, the yes. temple. And it turns out that Saeed trying to kill Ben, they take him to the temple and it turns out that Saeed was the reason that Ben is so evil. Yeah, that, like, if if they hadn't taken Ben to the temple, there's every possibility that, like, like Roger is freaking out enough about his missing son that they may have actually kind of patched things up a little. Yeah. yeah. Like, if he had been, like, you know, I, I don't know, but the thing is that the immune, like, everything is inevitable because of exactly where all the characters are at that point. Yeah, it all happened because all of this happened before. Like, and all of it will happen again. I mean, Saeed wasn't there for, like, the conversation about whatever happened happened. And so, like, he has no idea. He thinks that he's doing what's right when, in reality, like, all of, 
Like he, you, you did shoot him before. Like you've always shot him. You've always shot here. him. He's always survived. And Jack is trying to play laissez-faire man of faith and be like, no, I'm not helping him. And yeah. meanwhile, like Jack's immutability at that point is that he's determined to do whatever he's supposed to do. Yeah. Which is why he fixes everything. And then why he is kind of like staunchly kind of ineffectively dogmatically a man of faith at first Mm -hmm. in season five. Mm -hmm. But Kate is going to help the kid. Yeah. Juliet's going to help Kate help the kid. Like Sawyer is going to do whatever Juliet tells him to because she's the (laughs) best. Simp. 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 Yeah. He's such a simp for Juliet. It's so good. He brings her a big dandelion. It's very- He sure does. Yeah, Robin, you're going to be making a lot of gifts of that episode. Yep. Yeah. If, yep. If, uh, Brittany, I, 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 when when I was talking to Robin about the next, the upcoming episodes, I'm like, can I have LaFleur? And she's like, already spoken for him. I'm like, son of a bitch. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, I get to tell Jeremy Bentham. I can't believe it was unclaimed. That's going to be good. That's yeah. a great episode. <gasps> oh, that's all. Is that the Pop-Tart episode? Uh, no, that's the lie. Okay. It's the episode no. where uh, we learn everything that happened. No, I rem- I know, but I was wondering if that was in the same episode. No, that's the lie, which, by the way, is not spoken for. So whoever, uh, the lie, which is, we've been talking about this whole time, is the, the episode where um, Hurley mm. wears I Heart Shih Tzu shirt, and uh, <laughs> I, I love my Shih Tzu, and um, throws uh, a hot pocket at Ben. Throws a hot pocket at Ben. If anyone wants that one, it is available. That's why, like... I'll, I'll do it. I'll, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, it, it seems to me like you heart them yeah <laughs> oh um, we have and we have a lot of episodes still um uh, in the back half of uh, season five available so if anyone wants to speak for those you can um yeah uh, season five is a all is a banger of a season folks so you, true yeah it's one of their best seasons if, if not their best season. it may be like in terms like back half if back half of season three was its own season it would probably rank as the best but um yeah but season five might just be the overall best season yeah the arc is just so good Rhyme, is season four good or was that the writer strike season it was the writer strike okay. season S- season four is the writer strike season but i still love that season okay i i think it's great season four has a i think it's it will it, it has a, it's it's sort of wobbly i mean it has some of my absolute favorite episodes on it and like robin can tell you again it has the constant an episode mm-hmm. that i didn't even think oh, to ask right. for because i was sure it was spoken for it is yeah I think that's Sam's. Yeah, it is. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the thing that I love about season four is that every single season up to it takes place over a full month and season four takes place over a week. Oh yeah. That's crazy. There's just so much. Like season four is bananas. And then season five, I think takes place over like several years, but Uh, I mean, all over the place. A couple years. Season is, but the, 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 the home stretch of season five takes place over like three days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. And then season six takes place over like a couple of days. Yeah. Um, yeah, they really uh, bump it up there at the end there. But um, the only other things that I wanted to add to the spoiler section before we can just kind of go off and do whatever we want. But um, it sucks that Charlie is like, I'm going to die. If I die here, at least I'm dying with you. And then like Hurley has Aww. to then live without Charlie Aww. after this. And God, does Jorge ever hit it out of the park when he's like doing that whole speech about how he's going to believe whatever Charlie said. And then lastly, Mm. I think that Hurley making that van work because there's no way that van was going to work. Like Jin said, like it's overgrown. It has so many things in it. 
is almost certainly a work of Jacob. Uh, it has to be. Getting it to work. It, it reminds me, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it reminds me of that part in season six when Richard wants to kill himself and then um, Jack comes in and he knows for a fact that the dynamite won't go off because he's mind of faith Jack at that point. Mm-hmm. He knows that the dynamite won't go off because Jacob won't let him die because he's a candidate. I think that's exactly what's happening here is that even though Hurley isn't doing it on purpose, he knows that he... Well, he doesn't know, but like Jacob knows that he can't die here because he needs him. Yeah, even if it hadn't been sussed out by the writers at this point. Yeah, I, I think that if you want to like, uh, if you want to like uh, head cannon and fan wank it, like it, yeah, it, it's, it's a, a miracle. pretty compelling moment. Yeah, like it one hundred percent would track with those other moments for yeah. sure. Cool. Can is there anything else that you wanted to add before we before we shut it down here? No, I can't think of anything else to say. I'll probably think of something at like three a.m. tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fair classic cool i am checking i don't think i had i was like did i have a thoughts from listeners yes i did i should have let me let me record this really quickly and i'm gonna put it at the front of the uh episode if you guys don't mind i'm gonna edit it to the to the front of the episode sure i was like i'm glad that i checked thank you for bringing up tom friendly because um it, since it's the spoiler section we can talk about about uh off island leisure living gay icon tom friendly well i'm uh i'm gonna I'm gonna edit. Uh, I'm gonna edit that to the front. So let me. Uh, um, let me pop on back to spoilers. pop on back to spoilers and sprinkle in some Tom Friendly. So when you yeah, mentioned Tom Friendly way at the beginning of this podcast, <laughs> yeah, there you sure. go. Uh, it, it reminded me. Uh, since we're talking spoilers, to uh, about um, everyone's favorite off-island leisure-living uh, gay icon, <laughs> Tom Friendly. So true, leisure-living. <laughs> Him with the slicked back hair and like the plates of like fruit and like f- food and he is like- very special to me. He's just a, like a, a, truly speaking of himbos, Tom Friendly. Uh, wow. <laughs> MC Ganey is also kind. It of, has like such. It has like older himbo energy a little bit. Yeah. Like yeah. Do have either of you watched uh, Tangled the series? No. Uh, you should. It slaps. And the uh, MC Ganey on in both Tangled the film and in the series voices the captain of the guard. Yeah. And uh, the series gives him a lot more to do because his daughter is a principal character on that show mm-hmm. played by Eden Espinoza of uh, Broadway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, MC Ganey, uh, Tom Friendly, icon. <laughs> Gay icon. I love him. <laughs> All right, John, thank you so much for joining us again. Woohoo! Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. You can find uh, John's socials down in the description. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow us at at the aficionados um, a lot of different places. Um, our Patreon, like we said, is patreon.com slash the aficionados. Um, we would really appreciate your help. And uh, hopefully very soon you will see that uh, Patreon-only podcast about the wilds coming on uh, this feed. Hell yeah. Um, I, I can't promise it. It's going to happen in between this episode and Enter 7-7, but uh-huh. it's going to happen at some point, I promise. It's bi-weekly, so. Thank you for promising that. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Sorry, Trisha Tanaka.